Good afternoon, everyone. Friday the 13th, October, Friday the 13th, 2023. This is a doctor and a lawyer walking to a podcast. I'm your North Texas attorney, Sean Esquire, here with my great friend, Dr. Blom. Dr. Blom, how are you? Hello, everyone. Thank you for having me. Happy Friday the 13th. Shabbat Shalom, everyone. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah, it's Friday. Shabbat Shalom day. That's right. We got to we got to get it in so that, uh, you know, Orthodox Jews are going to turn off electricity later on. So if you're, if you're live streaming us, thank you for uh, being with us. And once again, as always, thank you, new listeners. We're very excited. Thank you very much, everyone. There's been a lot of a lot of love coming our way lately, mm-hmm. and I'm, I'm feeling I'm bursting with love over here. Sean Esquire, we got some some good feedback lately. Did you get well, any? Yeah, I saw the mailbag um, that one gentleman who shall not be named said that listening to our podcast has successfully cured his erectile dysfunction. I mean, that's a no, that's a no brainer right there. Cheaper than lookout Pfizer because we're, we're we're gonna you know put you out of business, guys. So that's good. I've got one on my end on uh, on thumbs up mailbag makes me want to be a better person mm, so that's, that's good that's, that's what we're about saying yeah i mean we're there's like kale is way down here and then raising a bunch of blind orphans that's kind of like that's like a fiver mm-hmm. we're like we're like 15 you know so i'm not saying that we're like actively competing with people raising blind. i'm just saying we get a lot of hey makes me want to be a better person so Thank you, everyone. Thank you for the positive feedback. And we got a personal positive feedback, Shana Squire, I saw from your end. Oh, oh, from the, the mother-in-law. There you She's go. raved about it, said that she appreciated learning about the Wizard of Oz and Judy Garland. So those are facts you just don't hear every day. She texted me and she said, it's the only good thing Sean has ever done with his life. So other than other than you know, marrying, marrying my daughter. We, we, we went around the bin on that for a long time. Apparently that was a very contentious. And then her, her hair looks better I mean, because of it. It's very polite. Your, your, your wife married down. So, you know, oh. you got, you got, you got that to. <laughs> happy anniversary to her too. It was our anniversary uh, on ten ten. Yes. Happy anniversary guys. That's awesome. Uh, well, it's, that's five Three years. Six? Well, we've been together eight. Right. We got married. 10, 10, 20. Gotcha. So. You got the blessing, the blessing from the Lord for three years. That's good, man. Mazel tov. Yeah. Thank so. you. And you blew it up. You guys went to like a fancy steak dinner or something? No, it was on a Tuesday. We just kind of stayed in. Um, we are probably going to go travel somewhere. I just haven't figured out what I want to do yet. Beer. Brewery, man. Beer? We're going to do our... Travel to a brewery? gonna do a uh, we're gonna be potting from uh from a brewery i think and that <laughs> and then you'll be like happy anniversary <laughs> <laughs> we've got uh some some quick get yeah. you a, you're a hoodie with a doc law <laughs> podcast logo on it <laughs> yeah everyone we do have some we do have some merch coming down the pipeline soon so uh stand by bear, bear with us please as we as we finalize uh the webbing and the and the xing and the uh and the interneting so a couple of quick follow-ups on my end. Uh, I've got some follow-up, follow-up. And again, I apologize. I've been doing this thing on the shows lately where uh, where I'm like super jacked on, <laughs> on coffee in the beginning. And Sean Esquire is like, are we potting today? I'm like, you, you bet we are. I've got four cappuccinos <laughs> in me. 
then I proceed to try to get that sweet balance in there, you know, a couple of beers here, a couple of beers there. So this seems to be my trend on the potting that I come out of the gates, like four cappuccinos, let's do this. And mm-hmm. then, and by the end of it, I'm just like, oh, let's go get some burritos. <laughs> so, hey, on, everyone. Last, last, ep- last episode was like, a, I was at least a six pack. Last the name of the last episode was, I'm not going to lie. I'm, uh, I'm a little drunk, and so uh, there's a story that went with that and everything. Oh, that was the other feedback that we got was uh, more more doctor stories and people, mm-hmm. for, whatever, for whatever reason, people say doctor stories. They don't mean doctor stories. They specifically mean what's the weirdest thing that somebody's put in their butt. Right. <laughs> What'd you find on the x-ray up his anus? <laughs> it's a real question that I get on a regular basis. <laughs> You don't really think about it. Uh, I, I'll just say a quick aside on that. In the olden days, they had the box. They would just call it the box. I don't know uh, that you'd have x-rays and things. They, they would physical x-rays in the olden days. Now you just pull them up on your computer or your phone or whatever. In the olden days, you would have physical x-rays. You see in the movies, they hold them up to the light. So mm-hmm. they would have the box down in radiology. And they, I don't know if they would make extra copies or whatever, but there was a collection of imaging x-rays, whatever, things that people had inserted into themselves. And it was just kind of like a little, a little LOL thing way back in the day. Don't think that would be allowed now. Um, but anyway, that's kind of a, I can't say a hundred percent that's urban myth, urgent legend, because I know people. So, um, not getting anyone fired. I'm just going to say you want stories about the things that people put in their backsides. I can do that, but maybe, maybe <laughs> just email us. <laughs> a three-hour special edition on people putting things into their backside. Can you guess and, what's up his anus? And so uh, this week's this week's horrible thing in their backside of the month. Uh, anyway, yeah. So feel free to email us doclawpodcast uh, at gmail dot com, mm-hmm. and I'll try to cover what I can. Uh, we're going to stick with our regular. Scheduled stuff. First follow-up on my end is this is follow-up follow-up that we had mentioned electric chair a couple episodes back. And sometimes this happens if you listen to us is that Shauna Square will ask me a very pointed question and I'll be in the zone on whatever whatever factoid. So we didn't I didn't really answer on the electric chair. There's a saying, I don't know if it's a saying, it's the amps that kill you. It is not the volts, right? So the the amps is both. Did we cover this last time? We kind of did, but the, the 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 more like bottom line is no that we covered like the equation about uh, about volts, and so it's the amps because the amps is the amount of electrons that are there, like the actual the current, and then so um, yeah, the basically it boils down to the amps is how much electrons flow past that that point. So when you get your electric bill, because it gets confusing between the watts and the amps and the volts, and I took this blow dryer to Europe, and it, they had different volts over there, and blah, 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 blah. My electric bill is in kilowatts, and so watts is amps times volts. Power is equal to watts, and so kilowatts is times the hour, and then that, kilowatts times hour, equals joules. We talked about that. So like when we shock people back to life, so usually by joules that we're like measuring it. So kilowatts times hours. Anyway, so it's the amps that kill you. It's the amount of electrons. So you can get shocked by like 5,000 volts. Might not kill you. But you mm-hmm. really only need about 0.1 amps 
right around 0.1, you'll be dead. And definitely by 0 0.2, 0 0.2 amps, you are, you are very fried from head to toe. So that's it. Amps, amps that kill you. Uh, follow up, follow up tip of canoe, which is not my favorite conspiracy ever, but it's up there. Quick review. William Henry, Henry Harrison, governor of the Indiana territory defeated Shawnee, uh, Indians. They were led by the guy, Tecu, Tecumesh. That Carr, sounds about I, right. I Tecumesh. For butchering that. At the Battle of Tippecanoe, and Tecumesh's brother, that's the one I blanked on. His brother was the prophet guy, the, the I shaman. I don't, I don't know if we're allowed to say shaman, so I apologize again if we're not allowed to say shaman. He was the prophet guy. Ten Squat Awa. Ten Squat Awa. T E N S K W A T A W A. So he's the shaman prophet guy. Again, apologies if I'm not allowed to say shaman. So they made the the curse. And on the curse, I just want to give a, a quick uh, sidebar on that. Zachary Taylor throws off, which which we've covered. We've covered the death of Zachary Taylor. It throws off the, uh, the death, the curse, because the curse is supposed to be every 20 years, right? Uh, those, those elected in years divisible by 20. Correct. Yeah. And so Zachary Taylor was outside of that because he was... William Henry Harrison was number nine, and I think uh, Zachary Taylor was president number twelve. And the uh, peaches, oh, remember, remember Zachary Taylor's uh, nickname? Uh, old Rough and Ready. Old Rough and Ready Zachary Taylor yeah. he succumbed to the cherries and the milk after the gorging himself on the Fourth of July picnic. So he he kind of he was just a bonus as far as the Tippecanoe curse was concerned. Tippecanoe curse was like we were just planning to kill like a president every twenty years, and you guys threw in. The cherry, the cherries brought down cherries and milk brought down Zachary Taylor, so that's one of the the caveats on that. And then, oh, I'm sorry. The reason why I went back on Tippecanoe is because I wanted to know how did Reagan escape the curse because he was, you know, he was going to be part of that. And got mm -hmm. shot by John Hinckley and John Hinckley Jr. Sorry, John Hinckley Sr. Didn't mean to throw you in there. And then, uh, so I can't find anything on online about how exactly Reagan dodged the curse or that the curse had maybe just run its course. Like, okay, I killed enough presidents or whatever. Um, but we joked about that Nancy Reagan was crazy, whatever. I'm sorry. Crazy might not be the nice word. She was into astrology and she had an astrologer. And so I thought maybe Nancy Reagan got with an astrologer and that's how Reagan avoided uh, the curse of Tippecanoe getting gunned down to death. But apparently that she got really crazy into it. I guess crazy might not be the right word. You know what I mean? Enthusiastically into it, uh, into the astronomer. So Nancy Reagan had uh, an astronomer on on retainer. <laughs> okay. 3000 This is 1980s money, by the way. So $3,000 a month for her, uh, for Nancy Reagan's astrologer, Joan Quigley. She was Ooh. making uh, three grand a month from the Reagans to do astrology stuff. And she did star charts or whatever astrologers do. And that's just one client. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's that's like her client, like a presidential client. And then she just mentions to people like, oh, how do you how do, how do you know I'm fake? Because the president's wife hires me. So maybe I'm not fake. And like, spoiler alert, lady, you're fake. <laughs> okay. So um, anyway, supposedly that Joan Quigley, the president the first lady's astrologer let's not get reagan sucked into this please that uh she had she was very specific about well reagan can't start his speech until 
you know, 11.10 p.m. instead of 11.09 p.m. because things like that. That's what I, that's what I read. So the mystery ensues regarding how Reagan defeated the curse, except for Sean Esquire. Maybe Reagan was just stronger than a 200-year-old curse or whatever. He's like, I'm Reagan. Maybe he was part Native American. Maybe. There's always that. Yeah. So... I did. I did DNA test. I've got some. I've got some Native American DNA on my on my end. I need to do uh, that. I was thinking about that the other day. I'd like to sure. do the whole ancestry uh, DNA track. Yeah. Sometimes you do it, and you're like, "Wow, I've got. Uh, I'm I'm part Native American. That's cool." And other times you do it, and you're like, "You're not my dad. I knew it." Ah. <laughs> Just the whole family unravels. <laughs> your thing. Thanks, DNA.com, for destroying my family. <laughs> Turns out I was adopted. I was always wondering why I was the only blonde person in a family of thick Jewish hair. So thanks, <laughs> thanks DNA.com. Yeah, we did it. We did it with uh, one of the dogs also. I'm kind of getting, getting ahead of myself. The dog one is a little creepy. <laughs> the dog one's a little creepy because they'll do, um, here's one of your dog's cousins, and here's where they, they are close to you. There's like a little map. I'm like, whoa, 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 doggy DNA. I don't need you mapping where I am and where my dog's cousin is. Like, I don't, I don't <laughs> like that. It's just like, uh, oh, here's your bank information. <laughs> doggy DNA, what are you doing? Why are you in my bank? Right. Mm. Yeah, I'll have to, uh, I'll have right. to look into it. I, I, I know, um, I think there's a couple different of those tests. Mm -hmm. My brother has done it, so I might have to do it and then compare mine against his. We might not man. actually be brothers. There you go, man. Those, those revelations come out, and you're like, oh, yeah. how many people are out there that are like, I kind of thought my mom was a whore. I didn't think she was that much of a whore. And there's all these <laughs> people around coming out of the woodwork like, I have a brother? Like, no, dude. You've got like 15 brothers. <laughs> mom, <laughs> mom had a lot of bills in the in the olden days. Uh other follow-up sean esquire i have i have i think one more follow-up on my end um the only one i've got i i'll touch back on the battle of antietam which was you know the deadliest antietam antietam i believe it's antietam i feel like i say it wrong all the time go ahead i'm you're sorry you're probably you're probably wrong um <laughs> battle of antietam which was the deadliest civil war battle the bloodiest battle most americans mm. killed in bloodiest all day in, in u.s bloodiest day, bloodiest in US day yeah and i think last time on the podcast dr blomman asked me how long did this battle last and if my memory is correct i believe i said it was a multi-day battle we discussed i think time is relative and it was mm -hmm. vastly different back in the 1860s that uh, in today's standards the the battle lasted 12 hours Holy hell! So I, mean, I, I in the morning, when I asked and, you, when I once, asked you, I thought in my brain I was like it was like a day battle, and then you're like it's a multi day battle. I'm like oh, I don't think that sounds right, but I didn't know it was only twelve. Yeah, twelve, 12 hours. hours started in the morning, and once the fog oh, cleared from the creek bed, they just went at it. Wow, that is like I mean twenty two thousand over two or three days is really mind-blowing but over mm -hmm. 12 hours and then plus on top of that this is 1861 technology 1862 right. technology no so antibiotics a lot of lead i could see where that's going i don't want 
<laughs> oh, I should actually. I'm glad you said that, so I can so I can do uh, another follow for two. You can do a I, follow up on lead poisoning one of these days. I, yes, I'm, I'm 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 about to get to that. Thank you very much. Thank you, sir. Uh, the um, I don't want to be too morbid, but also just for historical purposes, we love history. I would like to reach out to our listeners. Sorry, I got hiccups over here. Only on beer two. Uh, Battle of Antietam. Antietam. Then, mm-hmm. uh, how many of those were mullets? <laughs> muskets. Hello, <laughs> muskets. <laughs> how many, many mullets, mullets were running around on the battlefield? How many mullets were massacred that day? How many of those were muskets? And how many of those were just straight up bayonet? Right. Yeah. You know? To have those kind of numbers, I mean, you have to have those like charging. You know. 10,000 dudes charging 10,000 other dudes and everyone's got their bayonets out and that's well, that and you got like a, it, it's in a creek bed so what if they just mm-hmm. shot a big cannon down the right. middle of that thing I yeah. that's gonna do I'm, some damage I'm sure they had some cannons taken out I mean you know they could go back they weren't doing any forensics back then and they said oh uh let's call the society of civil war uh massacre forensics whatever and I said oh uh out of these 22,000 uh 21,000 of them were bayoneted to death, <laughs> whatever, right. whatever it was. No one knows that number. I'm just saying that, uh, that it's got to be. I'm putting more money on the bayonets than I am the uh, muskets, not mullets. Muskets. Yeah, because those things took a long time to reload. So mm-hmm. you're like, you're, not, you're just stabbing people in the in the middle. One of the, I think the sadder things on the Civil War, I say sadder, is um, the officers were, I think the officers were the only ones that really had the uh, the pistols. Oh. Everyone else I mean, had the, the long gun? Yeah, the infantry dudes just had their Fisher-Price, my first rifle. Oh, and I think the officers had swords, too. Yeah, I mean, so well, they, yeah, there's, there's swords. So, you know, they're, they got some reach, especially if they're mm-hmm. on a horse or something. No real, um, no real machine guns until after the Civil War. I think we've, we've covered machine gun guy, but yeah, twenty two thousand people in twelve hours. Holy mackerel! Right. You know, we had we had raised on that episode about that general got in trouble for not marching into the south, and now with those numbers, twenty two thousand in twelve hours, twelve twelve ish hours, then that makes me feel a little bit more uh, sympathetic to his right. plight. Yeah, that's a, that's looking, a lot of death in a short You wake time. up and there's no bodies around you, and then by you know dinner time, then there's just piles of bodies everywhere. You're not probably not thinking like, let's keep this battle going, let's chase them down <laughs> into the south, right? So, yeah. Again, I don't I don't disagree with uh, Sean Esquire's uh, take on that. Maybe I was too harsh on that general. Who knows? I wasn't there. So two quick follow ups from my end, and then we're going to get into so many. Fantastic, amazing things. My marinade that I had recently was extolling the virtues of this marinade, steak marinade. I believe you said perfected. Mm, you know, I think that the the um, hubris had just, I was blinded by hubris. <laughs> so I found this, yeah, I found Sean Esquire and I, we watch a lot of cooking videos and we text each other cooking videos and things. We're very big on steaks and I'm always looking for the best marinade and uh, Sean Esquire is just a just a genius when it comes to brisket. So I found this marinade over the summer, which was a third cup A1, a third cup Worcester, Worcestershire, and a third cup uh, soy sauce. And I do low, low salt on all of those. So I recently got on that train, got mm-hmm. on that 
here here we go that's that's the marinade that's the only one i'll need forever then uh and, and i've been using it and then recently when i, I cleaned my my pit my barbecue pit it was all caked with basically sugar that had that had congealed yeah that had yeah and and so i don't know if everyone knows this a1 way too much sugar so there's corn syrup is like yeah, a second it's basically barbecue sauce as a physician i frequently say let's everyone try to get away from sugar absolutely we could all use less sugar let's get away from salt most of us could use less salt and let's get away from fat pretty much all of us can use less fat around probably there's just probably some vegan jumping on their bed right now that's like ah i don't have any fat i'm like yeah you probably something <laughs> fava beans or whatever uh anyway so that that marinade i am i'm gonna say i did not invent that marinade and i am saying i admonish that marinade no thank you to that i am i am watering it down now with red wine because forever and ever my marinade was very simple for steaks again steak marinade red wine pepper garlic i've been that's been great forever so i'm sticking with that or i'm going back to that but i i am willing to give maybe 10 percent of the marinade a little bit of low salt sodium low so low sodium soy and low sodium worcestershire and the a1 we'll we'll see but yeah i don't need sugar that you just gotta get away from the wet marinades altogether yeah you're you're dry rub guy yeah i'm like throw the tapioca powder Mm-hmm. Dry the steak out for an hour and a half. Tapioca is a kind of a kind of sugar. Then uh, what's well, the flour? You can right. use something else. You can use, <laughs> you can use regular flour if you wanted to, but whatever's yeah. going to suck the moisture out, and then put some olive oil on it, and then season it how you want, and then cook that's it. so backwards from what I do. I I, I, know. I meet the first thing I do when I get the steak out of the wrapper is olive oil. Oh no! First. You gotta you gotta dry it out first. You gotta dry it out first. You got to suck all the water out, and then you put your oil and seasoning, and it breaks down the meat. Okay, all right. Well, you really, you, you really uh, twisted my arm on this because I, I, I am from the school of uh, marinade, which mm-hmm. is like moisture. There should be moisture there, especially red wine. Like that's I, that's old school. Yeah. Well, mm-hmm. sometimes old school is the school. But you know what, Shauna Squire, just for you and for our listeners, uh, I hope this next batch. The, oh, here's another here's another tip, uh, Dr. Blom tip for everyone. When you make steaks and you say, oh, I have, I'm making steaks for myself and my girlfriend. So two steaks. No, wrong, incorrect. You want to make three or four steaks because next day you wake up, get steak and eggs. So you have steak for oh. dinner. Steak and Always see, get more, a little more steak than you need. See, I hate reheated steak. So yeah. if I do want to do steak and eggs i leave one steak uncooked mm. and i'll put it in the fridge and then i'll just and cook it the next morning just skillet just skillet in the am with the eggs mm-hmm. okay yeah no i'm not i'm not opposed because because of my marinade used to be just uh masterful and then it would just sit in that delicious red wine and pepper and everything and see it would that that would be the benefit i think of the wet marinade because it the leftover ha- yeah the leftover is going to taste a lot better Whereas okay. if, if it's a dry rub like method like mine, the steak just tastes dried out if you reheat it. Okay. So and then better... when you get when when you get your dry dry steak off the grill, then you're, you're not hitting it with a one or anything like that. You're just going diving no, it's, in. It's gorgeous. Sometimes steak. I'll do a, a sauce with it. You know. Okay. It just depends. 
Gotcha. Not not like an A1 sauce. I'll do like right. my, you know, olive oil, parsley, red pepper flakes, a little bit of salt, pepper, garlic. After you have cooked a very dried steak and yeah. you've made it even drier than it was, than you made Bl it. Blend it into uh, my little my little KitchenAid blender thing and then mm. slice my steak up and then pour that across the top. Oh, man. KitchenAid is, is uh, masterful for... Uh, Chimichurri sauce. That's sure. what it is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We'll make a chimichurri sauce. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That's gorgeous. So anyway, uh, I will keep everybody uh, up to speed on marinade wars, but Sean Esquire raises an excellent point. I do need to do a head to head on the, on as Sean Esquire calls it, the old school moist marinade. Old school, new school. Old school, new school. Yes. Right on. Also, Finally, on follow-up, we're kind of stretching out a couple couple quick follow-ups. One is CERN that we covered last episode. Oh, what's that? China, China, <laughs> this is the uh, European, uh, you know, study of quantum physics, quantum quantum particle, superconductor, super collider between mm -hmm. uh, Switzerland, France. Episode 23, everybody. Check it out. It's Large amazing. Large Hadron Collider. Large Hadron Collider. Way thousand times better than tiny Haldron Collider. So yeah, then, or uh, average yeah. Haldron Collider. There's a lot of colliders out there that have a large Haldron Collider envy. So right. yeah, take, the, take I that assume up. it's, it's gotta be like at least four inches, right? That's pretty large. <laughs> that is, oof, man, is that even legal? Okay. So, just, do you think the, <laughs> do you I'm think just, the large Haldron, Haldron guys, do they call the, not large Haldron guys, and they say, "Hey, what's going on over there? Are you guys? <laughs> are you not pleasuring your protons the way we do?" Okay, everybody, <laughs> I don't have to get into all the science of everything. Um, I will say this: that I had joked with Sean Esquire about, oh, I got in this rabbit hole, uh, wormhole, wormhole pun intended on CERN about all the conspiracies and I don't know lizard people and all these things. Oh boy, I kept going, my friend. <laughs> I kept going. We did the episode. I'm like, I should put this away. I should totally leave all this certain conspiracy stuff. Like, just move on to other things. We have other things to cover on next episode. Nope. I kept <laughs> I kept watching all the certain conspiracies and I was like, what's going on? Oh, six six six. So I'm just gonna say <laughs> one yeah, one thing quickly is there's so many entertaining ones. They're like scary if you get, you know, people get sucked into like, oh, Bigfoot is real. And we've said many, many times we, we love conspiracy. We don't believe in all of them. One of the ones I liked on an entertainment level was that uh, the humans have been indoctrinated to fear 666 and devil and all this stuff. But the whole reason for that, thousands of years of conspiracy, whatever, hundreds of years, is, uh, is that that's part of the code that CERN is going to unlock and then when they somebody's going to be like I'm not scared of 666 and they punch in the code or whatever then it shuts down the matrix and you know we all wake up out of our out of our pods or or the uh, digital wall goes down and then we're like hey this is an earth we're zoos and the aliens are our zookeepers or you know oh look uh, there's a lizard people everywhere like that movie they live so anyway there's there's a lot of those but i but also on top of that that I had sent Sean Esquire the video for the the Gothard base tunnel ceremony. Oh yeah. Holy. Whoa. Okay. Yeah. So I I put it on our page. I put it on our X page, Doc Law podcast, on the on the X. And so 
let me just clarify that ceremony has nothing to do with CERN, all, all the places I look. It's another tunnel, it's over there, it's close to CERN. But that ceremony is like a satanic goat guy jumping around, and I think mm -hmm. there's like a falling. Fall. It, it to me, and I'm not a religious professor, what <laughs> It, uh, very rare. I mean, for tax purposes, maybe. Uh, and then so <laughs> that ceremony, number one, is super jacked. What in God's name is that? Everyone, please check out. If you get a minute, go look at the the uh, goat, uh, Gotthard, G-O-T-T-H-A. Go to our X first and, and follow and then watch the video. Go to our page and like our page and subscribe our page and thumbs up our page. And then on our page, you don't have to go to YouTube and do all. We did it for you. We did right. the legwork for you. So check it out. Check it out, the, that page there. And then, uh, yeah, that ceremony is, is crazy pants, crazy pants on that. And I promise, I promise uh, this is the last of the follow-up. I'm wrapping it up. I promise, Sean Esquire. Number one, Higgs boson. How long is it around for? The, the Higgs boson is a, one trillionth of one billionth of one second. So I had said, oh, it's not around. So, mm -hmm. That's a very short. See, so four inches is big. Ridiculously. Like, again, to that standard. is it even legal? The human rights society are like four inches. Oh, that's not correct for humanity. Uh, so, uh, yes, it's something like 1.6 times 10 to the negative 21, 22, whatever. That's so, some um, scientific notation right there. Mm -hmm, yes, we're not going to do as much math as we did last time. Also, I promise I'm finishing a follow-up, Sean Esquire. 18 U.S. presidents have not been lawyers. Uh, mm -hmm. Trump, Bush, Reagan, Carter, LBJ, Kennedy, Eisenhower, to name a few. 12 U.S. presidents, no degree whatsoever. Probably George Washington. Probably can't even spell the word president. They're just fumbling around. People are like, can you sign this, sir? And they're like, X. Here you go. So, <laughs> um, yes. And then, oh, we had mentioned all the presidents about, about military background. I, I want to profusely apologize, deepest apologies, that I didn't know the military background of recent presidents. Carter was in the Navy. I, I very very strongly apologize to the carter family and to everyone any anyone that has ever served thank you for your service i didn't know that carter was in the navy i'm sorry everyone uh jimmy carter was in the navy lbj was in the navy he was in world war ii reagan was in the army reserve and the air force both at the same think, time wow oh there might have been some crossover there i think uh, i think reagan saw some world war ii action again i apologize everyone bush senior was in the navy he definitely saw world war ii action i heard that Bush Sr. was in the Navy, and then Bush Jr. was in the Air National Force Guard, Reserve, right? something, National Guard. Right? Bush. <laughs> so uh, we have uh, 14, 14 presidents with no military. So out of those 14, we've got Bill, Barack, Donald, and Joe in our lifetime. Okay. Yeah. And then there was another block, like early 20th century, Calvin Coolidge. Wait, and did you say Clinton? Mm -hmm. Yeah, no, no military background. So Bill since Clinton. 1990, oh wait, G Dub had it. Okay, 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 yeah. So we got Bill Clinton, and then we got and then George, George Jr. Was, did George George Jr. had a he had that like a uh, nepotism sort of thing. There's a lot of debate. Like, did he show up for service? So since, he was just kind of since 2004, so almost the last two decades now. 
Oh, no, solid. Yeah. No military. No, no military Barack, no military Donald, no military Joe. So there's three right there. So, um, yes. So 14 presidents in out of our 45, no military, uh, 12 of our U.S. presidents, no degree, 18 of our U.S. presidents, no lawyers. I will and say this, so, though. I do think probably a lot of the no degree was probably early on in our country. Mm-hmm. Because oh, yeah. people <laughs> weren't – universities – yeah, we're starting. Since, out. Yes, correct. Since, um, man, uh, I want to say, and and I'll do this on follow up next time. FDR, everyone has had a college degree, a minimum college degree since, I think FDR. Um, I, I'm sorry, I'll clean that up on. Uh, we'll do that up for for next follow. I can't remember where, where the cutoff was, but you're correct. Out of the the twelve no no educated presidents. It's got to be Those John Adams and Washington, like all the early presidents. Uh, Adams, John Adams was a educated dude. I don't think Washington was. Washington was too busy. He was kicking just British killed, ass. Kicking, exactly. Kicking British was, ass, man. I ain't got no time to do no learning. I'm, we're, not, I'm, we're not paying taxes. Take your I'm, speckled hen back to your side of the pond. I can go learn about calculus or I can make this great nation called the United States of America. Which one do you want? I can't do both, everyone. Right. George Washington, we, we support you to to gun down <laughs> Brits back in the seventeen back in the seventeen hundreds and then uh, bring us this great country that we that we love. And that we we would we would die for. We and all so, came from an uneducated man. That is correct. Well, I mean, like government wise. So you know, John John Adams was milling about, and the founding fathers were like, "We're going to take care of all of the uh, stuff that you didn't cover when you didn't go to school, George Washington." Oh, which is some foreshadowing for something I have a little later. I uh, team up, you knock him down, man. I so know. that 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 takes care of follow up. I'm sorry, everyone. A little little long winded on follow up there. Shauna Squire. We're going to take a quick break, and we're going to come back with big, big things. Sounds good to me. All right, Sean. We'll, we'll, we'll be right back, everyone. Sit tight. Stand by. We are very, very excited about this episode. It's there beer it time, Dr. Blom. Oh, yes. Welcome back, Hard- everyone. Hard earned. Very excited about Beer Talk this week, Sean Esquire. So what are you drinking this week? What's on your end, my friend? I picked up the Spotten Oktoberfest. It's a Marzen. It's a 5.9% alcohol out of Munich, Germany. Didn't say on the bottle if it was brewed under the, you know, the purity law, but German purity law 1516. Yep. But I assume that it is coming out of there. It's a darker beer. You can see it here in my large uh, glass stein. Oh, Sean Esquire and I have just, uh, this is how we do it now. We both got these giant glass steins that we've, we've spoken about multiple times, glass mugs, whatever. So that's how we, that's how we do it. And that's why last episode maybe had uh, enjoyed, uh, not, I'm not going to say too many, just in, just enjoying life. Anyway, that's how we, we have, we both have our, giant glass mugs and we love them and but it came in a six pack so okay. that's good right so At come five, on belgians Shannon yeah. <laughs> Esquire, the hill that he wants to die on is that he wants the beer people around the world to make their beer stronger mm-hmm. and to give us more and to not charge more same price point right give us <laughs> give us stronger beers give us more beers 
turn that six turn that six pack into a twelve pack and don't charge don't change the price. So no, no, it's pretty good. It's way better than the uh, the Mars that I had last week. Oh, Mars really? that I had last week was was fine. That was at Tup's Brewery out of McKinney, Texas. But this one tastes a lot better. It's really hard to beat the Belgiums. It's really hard to beat Germany and that that neck of the woods when it comes to beers. What do you got did, this week? Yes, I'm doing a little bit of a hodgepodge this week. I found this. Uh, by the way, also, I took a picture of my beers for the week and put them on our X page, Doc Law Podcast, D-O-C Law Podcast, on the, uh, on the X. And so this was a variety pack I got from Real Air Ale, Real Ale Brewery Company out of okay. uh, out of Texas. What part of Texas are they from? They are from the uh, northern northern part. Oh, I'm sorry, Blanco, Blanco, Texas. They're from outside of SA. Oh, that means white. Yeah, correct. You nailed it. Also, uh, that's the monster guy from uh, Street Fighter, I think, Blanco. And uh-huh. so, uh, working in the hill country from a foundation of time honored brewing tradition. So. Uh, to time honored, I mean that alone is a selling point. Real ale believes minimal processing produces maximum flavor. I don't know how, what your level of flavor is on your end. Maximum is the level over here. It's at least a four. So, so I got I got this variety pack. In my variety pack, I've got a real heavy. This one is named real heavy. It's Scotch ale, and it is a nine point three percent. Okay. Yeah. That's up there. Un- unfiltered, unpasteurized, real deal. And then, so I've got, I got a couple others in the variety pack, obviously, uh, which I haven't gotten into yet. I don't know if I'm going to get into them on this episode because these beers are heavy duty. This guy, Real Ill Brewing Company, I've got a uh, Commissar or Commissar. It's a Russian Imperial Stout. And China Squire and I were having a good laugh about. How long ago do you think they put Russian on the label? <laughs> Maybe they're not selling the Russian Imperial Stout like they did a couple of years ago. Uh, so I haven't gotten into the Russian Imperial Stout, but it is a very generous 9.8 percenter, I think. Okay. Looks like an 8 there, 9.8 percenter. And maybe later I will get into this real ale brewing company, Black Quad. This is a quadruple 10.5 percenter. So nice. in the event that I get into this guy, this guy is uh, is like the shotgun. This is like a 10 gauge of beers over here. Yes. For, forget your memory. <laughs> <laughs> drink, drink four of these. Wake up in Mexico with a family. <laughs> Apparently is yours. Uh, and, and then I have on the back burner, which I probably will get into. I, I got another Unibrow. 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 Uh, which, I can't remember what episode that was. The where I got into the flying canoe. Remember mm-hmm. that one? Oh yeah, that's Canadian. Episode, episode, it is Canadian, yeah. This is from from La the OC. From the from the OC. This is the uh that's that's a Quebec. Oh. It's not Orange County. Cham Chamblay. So uh yeah, La Fendemont. The this is a triple tripel. And this uh, like I said, this bad boy is a nine percenter. I don't know if I said that or not. But uh, IBUs on the Lofin Demon is a 19, 19 on those IBUs there. And I do, I want to say to all the beer, uh, the beer folk 
I like a little story, a little story with my beer, like a little, I mean, we love history, obviously. Uh, Le Fin de Moon, also that I don't have to look at the webpage to give the whole spiel on their, on their, uh, not their labeling, just the, the thing that comes in. It's a, it's a four pack, four pack guy. Whenever you have, thanks. Amari, Sean is furious. Sean Esquire is like threw his beer at his cat. (laughs) Why would you sell a four pack? Make it a twelve. Don't change the price. Give me twelve beers for the price of four. So I like uh, the La Fin uh, de Mon, which. uh, this fine ale is a tribute to Quebec. I said Quebec earlier and nailed it. So not not OC, uh, but the uh, original Quebec. Even though C is not for Quebec, it doesn't matter. The land encountered <laughs> by the French <laughs> said they uh, they set sail on a quest to find a new route to Asia. <laughs> French people, uh, you think Columbus got it wrong? Although they thought they had reached the end of the world, they had actually written the first chapter in the story of new france so oh wow way off course guys way way off course on that but i do like on the uh again on the box here triple nine percent alcohol and food pairings seafood that could mean anything don't don't say mm-hmm. seafood everybody don't don't phone it in there's fish there's crab a lot of things in the ocean stupid beer people don't don't just <laughs> Seafood, octopus, <laughs> baby seal. Who knows? <laughs> Octopi. Yeah. Uh, seafood, sausages. Again, they just sausages. Like they don't really specify. And salted blue cheese. So they got a little specific on the cheese there that this uh, La Fin de Mon Tripel will pair with. But uh, seafood, things from the ocean. You know, it's not really a big body of water. Doesn't matter. <laughs> there we go. Yes. Feel better already yes everyone that is the history horn if you're new to our program first and foremost thank you for joining us like and subscribe and history horn ushers in the moment where you get ready to get your mind blown Jonas, right. how's your how's your beer by the way i'm just getting into mine I, I had a heavy head on mine oh no it's fantastic i also poured it like during our follow-up segment so mm. the head is subsided um it was a very small head, you know, maybe an inch. I mean, um, that's four inches would be insanely large. Uh, yeah, I'm on the real heavy Scotch Ale, and it's a little stouty for my taste. But also, like we've talked about, uh, 9.3%. So, yeah, Sean a, Esquire, history horn has horned. There's been horning. It's which- horned in. It is time to get into the weeds here. Um, All right. October 5th, 1789. Oh, before Grey's Anatomy. Go ahead. Yes. Um, this was just after the U.S. had, well, 1776. This is about a decade, 12 years, 13 years. We after had we the, crushed, just, just crushed the largest uh, military in the history of the world. Well, probably beyond the Romans. So we passed the Judiciary Act of 1789 that said we need to make a Supreme Court. 
So on October 5th, 1789, the first justice to be fully vested as a Supreme Court justice was James Wilson, took his oath on October 5th, 1789. What was interesting, the Supreme Court at the time, under the Judiciary Act, there was only six people, one chief justice and five associate justices. Seems weird, right? How are you going to get odd number of votes? Like why well, they, six? They had the they had the groundwork for the judicial system, so they're just kind of like working out the kinks, mm -hmm. more or less, right? So back when this started, they only met twice a year, um, one session in February, and then they would do a session in August, and I guess cover their cases that were on their docket. Well, you've got like. I don't know, 80% of the population is illiterate. There's not a lot of people that are clogging up the courts with, uh, we need uh, political finance reform. We need more gun laws. We need less gun laws. And so in those days, early days, that was a sweet gig, man. Uh, oh, yeah. you, get those, you get those checks now, all the time. I will say they, the rest of the months that they were working, they had to ride the circuit. So actually, I learned about this in law school. You know, we have... So you get the Supreme Court, and then you have federal circuit courts. So for Texas, Louisiana, we're in the Fifth Circuit. These justices would actually ride their circuit. Ride actually meaning they rode a horse or went by horse and carriage to the circuit courts that they were assigned to, to hear cases. I, I thought they were like riding the people that were in those offices, like, Johnson, where is that file I needed? Stop, stop writing me, boss. And they're like, I'm what? And they're like, nothing. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's, they, they probably did that too, though. <laughs> um, so they, they spent many months riding on horseback and carriage to get to their next circuit court to handle whatever duties they had. But James Wilson, I was a little bit curious since he was the first one fully vested. Um, he actually came from Scotland to Philadelphia. So he immigrated from Scotland, came here to the U.S. He was one of the original people to help draft the U.S. Constitution. Um, and you'll like this, Dr. Blom. He wrote a well-received pamphlet arguing the British Parliament's taxation on the 13 colonies was illegitimate because the colonies lacked representation in the British Parliament. Uh, I do like anyone that wants to cut and or get away, get rid of taxes. So yes, high five to you, to the, he, uh, the, go the ghost of Wilson. He was also a professor at the College of Philadelphia, which later became the University of Pennsylvania. He taught the first course on the new constitution to President Washington and his cabinet in 1789 and 1790. So we were talking about George Washington not well, being educated. He, he did not know. He was nervous as shit sitting in that classroom with a bunch of other people that had gone to school. And he was like, I'm really good at like uh, defeating the British. Mm -hmm. I don't know. What, what should I do, guys? Should I make no cards or are we highlighting our textbooks or what are we doing? <laughs> so, yeah, he was uh, he was teaching the, the former president at the time. Um, he supported the Three-Fifths Compromise, um, which was part of, you know, when slavery was going on for representation in Congress. Uh, he was also a big supporter of the Electoral College. So big founder started with the three-fifths compromise one of the electoral college um not the, not the best guy ever in terms of yeah you know. um what's interesting 
so when he came to the U.S., he actually worked for another lawyer and basically learned law and then got accepted to the bar. I couldn't find anything on a bar exam from 1785. Um, but this was kind of what we talked about last time where they worked as like a, a peon in a law firm. And then some guy goes, Hey, this guy's, this guy's pretty smart. Let's you, you would apprentice your way into it. I sent Sean Esquire. I think it was the first Texas bar. It, it was an article about the first Texas bar exam, which mm-hmm. was, I don't, I mean, obviously Texas is like 1836. So I don't know if it was like late 1800s, but yeah, the, the whole uh, industry of law and, and also medicine physicians mm-hmm. are not, are not above this, that we didn't really have good oversight, a good structure regarding universities and curriculum and everything until, I mean, we say fairly recently, like the last hundred years, 120 years there, thereabouts. So, yeah. So he he wasn't a he wasn't a lawyer over in Scotland. He was just no. a dude. No, he, he, he was smart. He was actually a teacher. He studied mathematics, um, and then started working for a lawyer. And the lawyer, I guess, was like, "Hey, you seem like a smart guy. Let's uh, teach you some law, and then go get accepted to the bar." So he did. Yeah. He became a Supreme Court justice, taught law, um, helped write the Constitution, and he experienced financial ruin in the late 1700s. This was uh, the panic of 1796. That's gambling debts, man. He got, he got, he got into that, that, the, you know, playing, playing the snake eyes. That's a harsh mistress there. That's right. He was sent to debtor's prison on two occasions. Oh, wow. And then in August of 1798, he suffered a stroke becoming the first U S Supreme court justice to die. Yeah, I mean, he was the he was the first Supreme Court justice. Uh, he was he wasn't the chief justice. He was an associate justice. Okay, but yeah, okay. What well, we what would be considered now to be a, so he he uh, the head the head guy went well beyond him. Yeah. So, but he was the first one to die as a Supreme Court justice. How old was he when he died? I don't know. I'll find out next time. We'll never know. <laughs> lost those records are lost to uh, lost to the time was very different back then. The, the world spun slower, and so you know, like we talked about with the world, the uh, battle of battle Antietam. Antiet- Antietam. I mean, twelve hours, forty eight hours. Yeah. No one knows. There's not. You know what? It's not our fault. Everyone, the records from back then are spotty at best, and so we gotta. Make do with uh, with what we have. That's right. So that but, was that was the beginning of the U.S. Supreme Court, Doctor Blom. Do you know any of their uh, their big uh, their big cases? Like they're rolling out. Sorry, hiccups over here. They're like, hey, we we did this. We uh, we we legalized marijuana or whatever. <laughs> I did not dive that deep. <laughs> we'll do, uh, we'll we'll do some follow up on any landmark. First, uh, civil first, uh, Supreme Court justice. What what exactly did they get into? Mm-hmm. Yeah, Jed Esquire. I would like to take us beyond the limitations of courtroom. Okay, I would like to take us beyond the limitations of the earth. If you okay. are a out of this fan, world, yes, out of this world. There you go, everyone. You know how much everyone that I love space, and uh, even though 
trying to acquire says time. And then sometimes, sometimes, uh, you know, you like time and what I'm space. I'm a space guy. I like dinosaurs and, and all things science. And so they lived in space. <laughs> they're, they're watching us right now from their UFOs. T-Rex is he's trying to reach those thruster buttons. He can't his stupid T-Rex arms. Sputnik October 4, 1957 uh, was launched. It was actually, so Sputnik one, and this was uh, this was Russia. Number one, getting into space. Number two, as we're going to learn here, this is the beginning of they say, oh, the space race, the space race and the cold, the Cold War, one and the same. Sean Esquire. Mm. So let's not forget 1957 when Russia launches Sputnik One. They didn't call it Sputnik One at the time, uh, just like World War One. <laughs> then uh, we're we're only you know we're about 12 years away from World War Two. And people often forget World War II. Russia was our allies. We mm-hmm. we we got into got into the, fought Germany uh, together. Fought Germany together. That's what happens when Hitler tries to uh, invade Stalingrad. Well, there's like Stalingrad massacre and tries to get to Moscow, and he didn't do it. And Napoleon couldn't do it either. So yeah, Russian winter man. That'll get you every time. Um, flash forward from 1945 World War II to 1957. U.S.-Russia relations, not exactly what they were during uh, defeating Germany and Hitler and everyone. So Sputnik kicks off this uh, this um, October 4 launch. And the, the I say the premier, the, um, the head Russian dude at the time, mm-hmm. he, he was not hugely into space anything. He kind of thought that this was a side project, and he told the the Russian what their the equivalents of look, I'm just going to call it Russian NASA at the time. It's not. I know that's not incorrect. I know that's not correct. Everyone, ah, his beer is ten percent. Uh, what he told the head head Russian leader guy, he said, "Hey, you guys, do your little space whatever dumb thing, but really, what we're about, we're about defense. We're about nuclear bombs. Got to get those rockets. Got to defend ourselves against America." We're communist. We're going to make the world communist. So um, Sputnik is Russian for traveling companion. And it was about uh, about 200 pounds, 184 pounds, some of the estimates said. And it's 23 inches in diameter. What was 23 cool. inches? It's like a beach ball. Mm-hmm. Definitely definitely bigger than a human head. The but power, heavy. Uh, pretty heavy. Yeah, yeah. For so, a beach ball. For, well, definitely for a beach ball. The power on this bad boy, Sean Esquire, please remember this. One watt. We talked. Oh. Earlier in the episode. The va- <laughs> Volts and watts and, and, uh, and everything. So uh, one, one watt. One. A whopping, a whopping one watt on this bad boy. It was uh, powered by these uh, zinc batteries. Ultimately did... Uh, it got as fast as 18,000 miles per hour and uh, covered around 43 million miles. Um, I'll get to the amount of amount of um, rotations around the revolutions around the around the earth here in a little bit. So obviously, so Sputnik kicks off huge concerns immediately from the U.S. Number one, they said, oh, uh, now the Russians can just launch a bomb from space not just any bomb obviously 1957 they said the u.s 
normal normal Joes in their backyards were like, oh, this is great. Russia's in space. They can launch a freaking atomic bomb from from space now and mm-hmm. and kill uh, kill the world. That's what they're going to do. So July 1955, a little preamble here. Eisenhower had announced, uh, oh, hey, U.S., uh, we're going to put a satellite in space. And then the Soviets, they waited a whopping four days later, and they said, the race is on for space uh, space stuff and Cold War and everything. So they said it on you know Russian accent that I can't do. From the Sputnik, you know, the classic picture, it's got like four rods coming out of it. They're, mm-hmm. they're antenna they're antennae antennae these these four rods they purposely made it super shiny so that people could see it from earth from around the world so oh. there's like no there's no jacking around like i said powered by three silver zinc batteries although come on it's one watt they got one whole watt out of those three. Ooh, look out everybody and let me just point out everyone okay yes so russia beat us to space with the satellite Yay for Russia! Like their satellite, yeah, I suppose. Yeah, exactly. Thank you. Yeah, communist propaganda. Shana Square. What are their super badass one watt beach ball, twenty three inch, uh, one hundred eighty four pound? What did this bad boy do? Did it like discover radiation or uh, you know make quantum physics? What, what did this thing do exactly? They were so like, oh, they beat us. It allowed you to look through a telescope at its shiny outside and see mm-hmm. your face. It's yes. like a mirror, yeah. a space mirror. Yeah. Yeah. It had no real payload to speak of. The payload of this thing was beep, 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 beep. That's what it did. It just wanted the Russians absolutely 100%. They they rushed to uh, the Russians were rushing. <laughs> you can, I just made that up right now. The, if they, you're uh, they Russian said, going into the bathroom, what are you in the bathroom <laughs> European. So I'm, I'm cutting. I'm cutting your mic right now. So <laughs> they, that was the whole thing. It was a space race, and the Russians said, "Let's just get this stupid shiny beach ball thing up there, and it's going to do all these cool it's scientific experiments." Back to us. It's going to do basically three things. It's going to it's going to beep beep beep, and it's going to do jack, and it's going to do shit. Those are those okay. are the three the three three things that Sputnik did. Uh, Sputnik did. Uh, and uh, just a little perspective here, Sean Esquire, because you know what time of year it is right now. At that time, October 1957, Yankees versus the Milwaukee Braves for the World Series. That's oh, right there. Yeah. well, now they're the Brewers. <laughs> yes, there you go. The uh, the batteries on the Sputnik, it ran out uh, October 26. So, I mean, why even launch it, right? Like oh, October four and the, twenty-two days. It's, it's you know just it peters out, and so this basically obviously put a fire in the U.S. and under under the butts of the U.S. and the U.S. was like, oh no, Russia has a satellite. We better we better get on it, everybody. And uh, hey, and the president was like calling everybody like, hey, super nerds, what are you doing? Get off your butts. Stop <laughs> trying to stop trying stop trying to cure cancer. We got to go to space. I don't know if that's what Eisenhower said. And so uh, there's a famous quote from, I say famous, uh, this dude, this astronaut, Mike Mullane. This is not uh-huh. from the 50s. I mean, obviously, we didn't have astronauts back then. <laughs> so this astronaut, on, on, on a lot of the stuff that I watch with Sputnik, Mike Mullane, he said, quote, this is his quote, everyone, Sputnik was 9-11 of our day, end quote. So, 
Uh, astronaut Mike Mullane, let's let's uh, let's pump the brakes there on Drama Queen. I don't yeah, know. Did you over three thousand Americans died on that day? So uh, yeah. Anyway, I've found that throughout all of my my Sputnik research. So February 1958, the U.S. establishes the ARPA, which later 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 the becomes Internet. DARPA. Not quite. That's 1969. DARPA is the Defense Advanced Research projects agency and so this is going to be the you know the precursor of nasa during this time leading up to sputnik during sputnik all of that there was uh there was a, a quote back then again i don't know this is where they get these numbers and so one of the big u.s diplomats i don't know diplomats whatever he said one third of the world is free one third of the world is communist and one third of the world is uncommitted. So basically, like we have to get that one third, because if the communists get that one third, then they have two thirds. I don't even know. I don't, I don't know what the math is on that exactly. <laughs> but so that was that was the that was the thinking back then. Is that between the U.S. and and it's it's very it's a little nauseating to me that the space race and the Cold War were one and the same that the purpose of space and racing to space whatever and i've said this many many times is humanity humanity humanity, yes (laughs) enslave aliens that (laughs) how many things do you have three get get over here you're working in the mines on you're working in the moon moons so sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry if there's any three-fingered aliens listening to our podcast right now. I don't mean, I don't mean that. So this is, this is what's going on in the world is that a lot of people in the U S thought that that was accurate. One third of the world is free, one third communist. And then we got to fight for that other third Sean Esquire. Mm-hmm. Part, part of our fighting for them is, is winning the space race. And we've covered many times on previous episodes. U S was not doing great on the space race. So, you know, Russia's like, boom, we got a satellite in space. I'm like, I mean, it's a satellite, but all it does is go beep, beep, beep. So, um, the whole mission duration of Sputnik one was 22 days. And as promised, I told you, I'll do, I'll do the orbits, right? Mm-hmm. 1000. I say, I, I say it's something I deliver, man. I'm a man of my work. So the orbits for Sputnik one, 1,440 orbits. Oh, so barely. I mean, they didn't even hit. They didn't even hit two thousand orbits, Sean Squire. This is they pretty fifteen hundred. It's pretty sad. It's pretty sad as far as satellites go. So here's what happened. So the U.S. You know, they're like, "Oh my God, we're losing," and Russia's going to bomb us from space. Not just bomb us from space. They're going to bomb us with an atomic bomb. And then, so U.S. had this huge push for education. And they, they, they kind of put all the pressure on the students and teachers of the USA. And they said, hey, let's let's go. And while this is going on, USA said, hey, oh, cool. You guys got the Sputnik? Well, look out, because here comes the Vanguard. Vanguard. That's probably what they did on the, on the radio back then. Mm-hmm. And the Vanguard, Vanguard huge failure. <laughs> it made it like it launched like a meter and a half. And then you can um, you can see the footage online, just like crumbles, and there's a huge fireball in the press. Well, we didn't make it off the ground. <laughs> I mean, a meter and a half. Oh, that's a I mean, that's a huge amount. <laughs> <laughs> You're right. 
it's insanely ridiculous. Is it even legal, Sean Esquire? To, we don't we don't need to sit here and contemplate what a meter is. No one knows. No and then knows. so the, the press called the, the press term. called the the van the press called the vanguard the Kaputnik. So there's like the Sputnik, and they're oh. like, yeah, that's the U.S. press, dude. The U.S. press was like shitting on U.S. They were pissed. They were like, come on, we were supposed to pony up with this Vanguard thing, and mm-hmm. you're making us look like a bunch of assholes to the Russians, man. Come on. Make something that... Get something up there. It works. <laughs> exactly. We need our beeps. So, so don't worry. Let me assuage your your uh, your tears there. I'm sorry. So uh, 10% beer today, everybody. So the U.S., no, no, not the Vanguard. Vanguard 2.0. Explorer 1, Shana Squire. This is how the U.S. ponies up. It's like, I'll see your Sputnik 1 stupid bullshit. All it does is beep, beep, beep. It's not, it's not really a satellite, guys. Not even 1,500 orbits. And uh, I'll see your Sputnik, and I will raise you the Explorer 1. What? China Squire, 30.8 pounds? Come on. Oh, way lighter. <laughs> Doesn't matter, all right? 80 inches long, right? Oh. Six inches in diameter. Weight, there's more. Hang on a second. Let's talk about the power, because that's what it comes down to, Shana. Shana Squire, it's not about three inches or three and a half inches or three, three point... Uh, nine inches. It's not about that. Let's talk about the power, right? Mm-hmm. Mostly, it's almost always about the power, right? Right. How so, you how you use that size? It's, it's not the size of the axe. It's how you right. Yeah, so, so Explorer One, sixty watts, dude. Come oh, on, that's, that's sixty times more. Sixty times stronger than the Sputnik. I mean, come on, Sputnik is stupid beach ball. Just uh, flying around, yeah, 60, 60 watts power on on uh, on this bad boy. Let me mention uh, quickly on this, and again, uh, this is uh, this is on our on our X page, Sputnik two. Uh, so Sputnik one launched October four. Uh, Sputnik two was November. So just a, a oh, right literally after, one month late. They knew it was yeah, going to fail. Boom, boom, boom. Sputnik two. It, it, there was a number of things, but the biggest thing on Sputnik 2 was that there was a living being on yeah, Sputnik more 2. More beeps? Probably more beeps. Sputnik 2 carried uh, carried a stray dog named Laika. And a little bit of foreshadowing here on, on dog talk. But I'm, I'm a dog guy. I love dogs. I'm not a cat guy. Sometimes your friend is a cat guy, and there's not much you can do <laughs> on that. Just, just, uh, just love. I'm a love... Loving, loving dogs. I'm, I'm a dog guy, except for maybe like slobber dogs. Anyway, this was a, a dog from the streets. It was a stray dog. And so Sputnik 2 launched on November 3, 57, 1957. It went up, overheated. The dog overheated. It died. It was about a three-year-old dog. It was a girl. And uh, she died around the fourth orbit. But... Now the Russians double whammy because you know we didn't get um, we didn't get Explorer One up until um, uh, I want to say May twenty third, nineteen fifty eight. So the Russians they beat us a lot in the early days of the space race, but like I've said, are you really beating us 
When you no, got some, they got some beeps and they killed a dog. They got. Thank you. Yeah. How many dogs did we kill? I don't. I don't know. Probably. Probably we killed dogs for a space race, but I, I couldn't find anything online, so that probably means zero. So hey, everyone, listen up. Russia killed probably thousands of dogs and monkeys, and I don't know, maybe some humans, right? Purposely for their Poss- space. Possibly. U.S. probably. I'm not going to look it up right now. Probably killed no dogs. When it mm-hmm. came to the space race, probably. And so, um, yeah, Explorer 1 for the U.S. had these uh, mercury chemical batteries. And that means that uh, Merc- uh, Explorer 1, Sean Esquire, 58,000 orbits. Whoa. Yeah, okay, that's a satellite, everybody. Like, Sputnik is like a blow dryer, like a lawnmower that beeps. Now, right. I don't know. I don't think you can call that a satellite just because it went around the Earth and it, you know, killed uh, a dog. It killed, yeah, it killed, yeah, killed killing dogs. Lots of dogs. Trying to square the Russians probably just killing lots of dogs. Guess what? Explorer One when it goes to space. Guess what it does? Actual science. Kill yeah, that's dog, right. Though. Yeah, <laughs> save the dog. The Explorer One from um from 1958 U.S. USA all the way. Uh, detected the van the, the first one to detect the Van Allen belts, which is the radiation belts, which later paved the way for the moon missions, which we won. We dominated on the moon mission, so so there's that. Uh, and then also uh, there was a bunch of other experiments that came from Explorer One. Also, Explorer One from 1958. Uh, how long do you think it stayed in orbit? So the the Sputnik it went around, and then its orbit decayed, and then it, it fell back to Earth. Um, January 4, 1958. Explorer 1, Sean Esquire, 60 watts of power. Come on, man. Basically had like a Hemi as far as satellites. It like three <laughs> Hemi. It was like a diesel, like a 12-cylinder. Shit, man. It's got, it's got mutter. It's got mutter tires on it going through space. Mm-hmm. The, um, yeah, Explorer 1, it made it all the way to 1970. Wow. Before it's, uh, yeah. Uh, Over a decade. Yeah, yeah. Well well over a decade. The Explorer 1 made it all the way to March 1970. And the other thing is is that um, I think there was like a Sputnik 3, you know, whatever. How many Sputnik? They kill more dogs? (laughs) I mean, they're just killing like uh, all kinds of, you know, innocent people at that point. So, um yeah, Sputnik three. Who knows? Maybe there's Sputnik four, five, six, whatever. How many Explorer missions have we had since 1958? Explorer one. Hmm. Five. Hmm. A hundred missions, my friend. Out of all of the stuff that NASA has That's ever done, the Explorer one missions are the most out of all out of everything they've ever done. They they they're still like doing the Explorer mission. I think to clarify. I think it's something like 99 Explorer missions and four of them did not go great when they were like less than perfect. Uh, I won't, I won't say failure, but whatever was going on. I mean, the other thing is what happened in the Soviets, the stupid stupid Sputnik Sputnik one couldn't even make it like a week or whatever. Right. A couple weeks, whatever. Uh, Explorer one, 1970. There you go. 60 Watts. Did I mention the power on this son of a bitch? Come on, man. Explorer 1, that's a real satellite, everyone. So, okay, Sputnik 1, 
kind it, it got to space technically it went around the earth i don't know 10 15 times we don't know we don't know how many times it was, i've, it was I've done that like a hundred times i mean it's not it's not really explorer one 58,000 orbits over 58,000 orbits so clearly and then you know you want to zoom out and take a bigger picture how mm-hmm. how's us how's soviet russia doing these days sean esquire they're not around anymore. Oh man, that's a bummer. Wow. Okay. United States of America? Still here. Going strong, right? Oh, a hundred no, explorers. It's gone. Right. We'll and, foreshadowing. And <laughs> Thirty-three trillion national debt. Doesn't matter, doesn't matter. We didn't invo- we look at us not invading Ukraine, right? So right. I'm, sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. All right there. So that is the Sputnik, everyone. And I mean I'm I'm a huge fan of space. High five to everyone that's getting humanity to the great beyond. Uh, um, yeah, huge, huge space nerd. But also, yes, sometimes the the it's it's in the details. Sean Esquire, <laughs> sixty mm-hmm. watts versus one watt. Come on, come on, man. Whew, that isn't that is embarrassing. There. All right. So, what do we got next? Quick break on this uh, on this ten percenter, and I've got to make a decision between this nine percenter beer and when we come back big 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 things welcome back to a doctor lawyer walk into a podcast dr blom you've got some other follow i know this is outside of follow-up we're still in history but you wanted to follow up on a historical event that it quick follow-up i've been trying to i was trying to do this last episode and then there was like a lot of sidebars and i was trying to do this this episode there's a lot of sidebars. there's a lot going on man everyone you're you're getting you're just getting blasted with facts on the last couple episodes. James Garfield, Sean Esquire, multiple times. Sean Esquire uh, tends to think that if you get shot and you don't die immediately, that you will die of lead, lead poisoning, poisoning within a week, two weeks, three weeks, whatever. James Garfield, as we covered extensively on the last episode, great episode, by the way. Loved all of my James Garfield facts that I that I had discovered. Did not die of lead poisoning. Died of most likely died of sepsis. Uh, What's sepsis? Definitely. Uh, sepsis is the the bacteria gets into your bloodstream, into your system. When the bacteria gets in your bloodstream, it causes vasodilation. There's a number of bacteria that can do so that. As so your blood gets contaminated. Your blood gets contaminated. Yes. So there's yes. So quickly, infection 101. There's like a you get bacteria. You cut your arm. You get the, oh, there's bacteria there. Don't rub a pencil virus. on it. <laughs> Put on the put on those copper bracelets and and uh, and and rub crystals on your face. So the bacteria gets there. You get some cellulitis, which is like of the skin, right? There's an infection. But then you're like, I don't I don't need no doctors. I'm I'm a tough guy. Cellulitis. On I you get that in your right. legs, like your thighs. We're not gonna get sidebar sidebar. All right. I'm dealing I'm dealing okay. with one sidebar from like three episodes. <laughs> trying to get through get through this. So infection. Uh, example skin cellulitis. And then, the, and then that bacteria, because you're like, I'm going to cowboy it. I don't need no antibiotics. Or I don't need no doctors. And my, oh, my, my HMO sucks. Uh, and then so your uh, bacteria, it gets into your bloodstream. Now mm-hmm. that's called uh, bacteremia. because The bacteria is in the bloodstream. You may or may not have symptoms at that time that the, the bacteria has worked its way into your bloodstream. But you will. You're gonna, not going to do antibiotics. You're going to have some problems there. Then the bacteria, you know, 
it secretes toxins or depending on particular bacteria does a number of things it's gonna gonna have some problems there it's gonna wage war on your body one of the possibilities is that it causes the vessels to dilate so now there's you know lower flow like we there you go nailed it right not like not like five inches bigger i mean that's that's huge even is that even legal and then so uh then the course of that what happens physiologically is your heart works harder because your heart doesn't know all basically all your heart knows is oxygen well your brain is like hey heart i need more oxygen over here and so that's the human body is a lot of like brain and heart interaction and then the heart is like heart kidney lung interaction so the brain doesn't understand anything. It just it just knows, hey, I'm not getting enough oxygen over here. I like oxygen. I'm not going to do well without without oxygen. A heart, kick it in, kick it into overdrive. That's what happened. James Garfield, yes, he was shot. Yes, he lasted so many weeks after being shot. Yes, a number of physicians stuck their disgusting hands into him and everything, and he wasted away from 210 pounds to 130 pounds. So failure to thrive, and ultimately cause of death sepsis which is the infection he had been overwhelmed by the infection which also mckinley that we talked about a couple episodes back again so i'm sorry on the previous episode that sean esquire would keep saying like lead poison but you're not ruling out that lead wasn't in the blood i'm gonna and eventually i'm gonna just say sean esquire he died of lead poisoning okay yes (laughs) yes that's all he wants to know (laughs) <laughs> it was it was disgusting sepsis because they didn't respect the germ theory back then even though joseph lister was around and, and germ theory okay so anyway yes uh sepsis for garfield and uh, sepsis for mckinley as well and that brings us to more history and i want to say we're going from the from space back to the earth here we go September 25th, 1789, Sean Esquire. You're going like, back in time to September. Mm, back in time, getting get, getting in the DeLorean. So, well, yes, yeah, September. Well, okay, yes, we're a little behind right now on uh, on history of the week, which we've been a little off since, you know, summertime vacations, and we're we're kind of we're we're kind of catching up more or less, okay. I think. Yeah, because you said so, September 25th, and I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. That was last week. Okay, yes, and I sent you the uh, the history hit list for uh, like, a, <laughs> like a week ago, and I said, this is what, these are the things of this week. Okay, everyone. And then I text a, you, I said, what am I supposed to cover? His, <laughs> like three times, yes. Sean, Sean Esquire's famous quote from last episode was, I saw you sent I it. I saw you sent that. It's one of my favorite quotes ever. I've been using it whenever my boss emails me or anything. We're going to put that or, on a shirt. I, I saw, saw you said I told Sean Esquire, I was like, I sent you the history stuff and some cool links. And I sent you amazing links regarding all of the, the devil lizard people for CERN mm-hmm. and all this stuff. And I was like, hey, man, what do you think? And Sean Esquire, I saw you sent it. That's <laughs> <laughs> that is a... That is a level, that is a Kung Fu master of passive aggression, which I love. <laughs> and I'm absolutely using any kind of bureaucratic BS that, that comes up. And I'm, and I'm really that. So on an unrelated note that I had uh, text someone a week ago when I was ready to do the potting. <laughs> and somebody else was not ready to do the potting for whatever reason. I'm like, hey, I just came off of this huge week of work. I'm exhausted. Let's let's pot it up. Let's get the, let's get our pot on in, in pot we trust. 
And then uh, somebody else was like, oh, I'll do it. Give me two days. Uh, give me four days. Uh, give me seven <laughs> days. And that's it. September 25th, now that it's October 13th. 13th. Friday, Friday 13th. Yep. Yeah. So uh, as we've discussed previous episodes, we're catching up. I promise you. And in any event, it's still worth discussing. It's still worth talking about. It's kind of important, Sean Esquire. The Bill of Rights. Have you heard of this? Do you know I, about these? I've heard mentioned all, all these rights here. These huge story leading up to this, obviously, for September twenty fifth, uh, seventeen eighty nine. And Sean Esquire, if you want to feel better, just know that these were not ratified until uh, December the fifteenth, seventeen ninety one. So given your take on how relative time is and blah, 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 we're early. We're probably early to the party on this, this week in history. Late to the ratification. There you go. Was not originally, these Bill of Rights, not originally in the Constitution. And back then, what we, what we were dealing with were the Federalists and the Anti-Federalists. Sean Esquire, please tell me your favorite Anti-Federalist. One, two, three, go. Madison. <laughs> Nice, man. Yeah, I think uh, Madison was actually a Federalist, and okay. I think he contrib- contributed to the 85 articles of the, the Federalist Papers that were leading up to the Bill of Rights. My favorite anti-Federalist, uh, I'm going to go Sam, Sam Adams. Oh, they have a beer. Yeah. <laughs> this guy was constantly, he was like, you guys want to talk about Bill of Rights or you want to talk about hops? No, but he said it with a weird British Boston accent. He did. I bet you he had some weird, like, 1700s Boston British accent. We don't know. They're talking about the hops. I think Sam Adams was born. Sam Adams was born in the U.S. They wouldn't put him on a United States beer bottle if he wasn't born in the U.S. Oh, I don't know. We're going to put him on follow up. God. That's right. Don't worry, everybody. We're gonna we are gonna get there. So I am gonna tackle the Bill of Rights as best I can as somebody that did not go to law school. And I'm gonna <laughs> say that so that's what it was back then in in 1789. By the way, Constitution was a done deal. Mm-hmm. Constitution done deal like three years before they ratified the Bill of Rights. So they got the con- Constitution floating around, and then there was all this debate between. Basically, the Federalists saying, yay, Constitution, you know, like uh, like Madison wrote the Constitution. And yeah. so he's a Federalist, and he's like, oh, Constitution, let's not jack with that. That's the best thing ever. It's the best. I mean, there's like the Bible, number one, and then right below that is uh, is Constitution. Probably not. I don't think Madison was like crazy religious. And then you have the anti-Federalist, like uh, uh, Hancock and John. Sam Adams. Sam Adams. Yeah, yeah. And they basically, the anti-Federalists were like, look. We got to talk about the the things that were not covered in the Constitution that should have been covered, and there was so many debates. Uh, these guys are all like lawyers, and they never shut up, and they're always writing papers, and this just goes on and on and on and on and on. And these guys, like, oh, we're gonna go, we're gonna go to back to our state. We're gonna we're gonna argue this, and we're gonna argue that. And then Delaware, they were like, um, yeah, we're just gonna ratify the Constitution right away. <laughs> And then you had like Rhode Island. That's like we're not going to show up to the Constitutional Convention. We don't want to be part of that bullshit. We got Rhode Island shit going. Yeah. So ultimately, so flash forward, flash forward, flash forward. Okay. Then there was twelve articles of um from the from the Congress. So from those twelve articles, 
uh, Articles 3 through 12, they became the Bill, Bill of Rights. Rights. That's where the Bill of Rights came from. Yeah, two Article, of them did that. Article number two, you might know as Amendment 27. For example, Article 2 from the um, Articles of the, of the Congress didn't really get hammered down until May 1992. That's the 27th Amendment. Article number two, flash forward, became Amendment 27 in 1992, which right. is, like I said, basically just how, how Congress pays itself or like they, whatever they, they elect. Take to, our uh, tax money and pocket it. We need, we need a raise. And so the Bill of Rights, the 10, you know, first part of the Constitution came from the Articles uh, 3 through 12. Is, is how it played out. Article number one, Shana Squire, we'll do we'll do rapid fire. Get ready for your for your law school review. Here we go. Article one, one, two, three, go. What is article one? I'm sorry. Uh, I'm sorry. Bill of Rights one. Bill of Rights one. <laughs> uh, freedom of speech. Petition the government for uh, redress. Freedom of the press. Freedom of religion uh, and assembly, yes. which can be limited, but. Yeah, I mean they're they're all limited in their in their own way. Religion, assembly, petition, press, and speech. Shadow Squire nail, nailed it. And uh, just because I'm so spiteful, you didn't even read the stuff I, I saw. I saw you sent it. Then uh, Bill of Rights number two. I, I mean, come on, that's no brainer. Bill number Rights two, two. Number two. Oh. Uh, <laughs> that's a tough one. This is uh, you have the this is the Second Amendment, the right mm -hmm. to bear arms. There you Meaning go. Do you know firearms, not actual bears arms. Yes. Or if you have like Wolverine claws, then I don't think that really like nope. works its way in the, in the constitution. Article uh, two was kind of the result of the Brits that they, they did the raid on Lexington and Concord, but it also came from previous documents that Madison was a huge fan of. Uh, article three, I'm, I'm sorry. Quartering I of soldiers. I, I keep saying article. It's not, car, it's not article bill of rights. Number three. Yeah, this you one don't have is, to quarter soldiers. Yeah, you don't have to put uh, the soldiers in your house. Which, interesting, um, there was a case police came in to set up a like SWAT sniper. I want to say it was out of Nevada. Um, the police came and knocked on someone's door and said, hey, we need to put a, we need one of our snipers to come get in your second floor window to see this hostage situation. And they were actually challenging that incident under quartering of soldiers saying they violated their rights by the police having to use their home as a sniper window. Do they, do they win? I don't know. I've got to go back and look up this case law, but you don't see the, the third amendment challenge very often. It's very unique. No, absolutely. The, I'm sorry. The second amendment came from the Bill of Rights of 1689 although although I think that the 1689 one was uh, was about the Protestants defending themselves so okay. oh also I mean I'll throw in for like follow-up on next episode about the soldiers thing uh, the Boston bombing you remember the Boston bombing mm -hmm. yep and like the cops were like going street to street yeah and telling people like get back in your house or you know like I think they broke all kinds of constitutional things on that day. Like, just well, to this down. is just saying you don't have to house them. 
Mm-hmm. And that's what this this SWAT sniper oh. deal was. Is they were using their house for a sniper advantage. I'm not and moving they, in. I just want to right, use this window to right. shoot this guy in the face. And it was like, okay. whoa, 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 this is my Third Amendment right. You can't be in my house. Okay. Oh, but I'm not moving in. P.S. Yeah. While I shoot this guy in his face, can you do my laundry and whip yeah. me a pot roast? They had a different. <laughs> you got to remember too. 1700s. When they say quartering, they mean housing, not you're right. separating a soldier into four pieces. Yeah, you're I mean, I'm gonna quartering a soldier. I'm gonna, I'm gonna assume it's both. They were pretty thorough back then. Mm-hmm. The Bill of Rights numbers four through eight, as Sean Esquire Excellent. will tell you, are known as the rights of the. Shadow Accused. There we go. You don't have to do the homework all the time. You can I just don't. function on your. There we go. I do these all the time. Here we go. Terrible time. Four. Unreasonable search and seizure. Five. Establishes due process and the right to a grand jury. And there's no double jeopardy. And also, there's a movie with Ashley Judd back when she was super hot, and it's called Double Jeopardy. I think Tommy Lee Jones is in that. I'm not sure. Mm-hmm. Also, there's a right to remain silent and plead the fifth. And everyone says, "Oh, the fifth. And also, the fifth covers. Imminent domain. There we go. There you go. And on imminent domain, so that's just the government that gives you money for your land. Taking your land, yeah. But the government doesn't give you money to move, right? Do they know how much crap I have? If the government's like, we're going to put a freeway <laughs> nope. right through your house. They just give you fair market value for your property. For, for your property. Correct. Do they know what a freaking move costs in this day and age? I, they don't know what a gallon of milk costs. Oh, yeah. I bet they know what it costs so they can give themselves more raises That's based right. on the 1992 27th Amendment, which is well, the they, last amendment. They can't Everyone pass knows. anything right now. Well, I'll get into it. <laughs> oh, foreshadowing. Here we go. Uh, yes. So we're, we're plowing through here. Number six is a speedy and public trial, both, mm-hmm. and an impartial jury. This is all, by the way, uh, Sean Esquire's uh, purview, uh, his, his, wheel, his wheelhouse. Yes, under his umbrella of a uh, of of a law. Except for doing... seven, I don't I don't do civil cases. So there we go. Yeah. Uh, number six, speedy and public trial. Oh, by the way, also let me just throw in here. I don't, I don't want to get too sidebarred on this. Speedy, mm-hmm. come on, that's pretty relative. That like I don't know what they thought in the 1780s or whatever. On the case on it, there's some factors that they consider, like the length of the delay who caused the delay and did it cause prejudice to the defendant, which prejudice can simply be anxiety. Even like you get arrested, they wait and wait and wait to bring charges against you, but you might've been out on bond. So you got to check into your bail bonds office. You got to do other stuff, which all of that can lead to anxiety. And then whether you can even go back and find witnesses if they take too long to bring charges. So, yeah. So, my complaint on uh, Bill of Rights number six is speedy. That needs to have a real definitive. I, I know lawyers are like, but what is speedy? And okay, mm-hmm. fine. If I get accused of murdering someone, and right. heaven forbid, I don't have enough money for a uh, for a regular attorney. I got to get one of these public defender guys that are like, uh, I took the bar exam from 1860. I'm an attorney. Uh, I am going to sit in a in jail place with scary tattoo like actual murderer rapist guys like face tattoos mm-hmm. and uh you know, they've been in the big house way longer than i have they're just super buff you know 
and I've got this like immaculate skin that I have and these cheekbones. It's like I'm just like I'm blessed slash cursed. And, and, and no erectile dysfunction because you've been listening to our podcast. Uh, well, our podcast is like, oh, look out there. Oh, my, oh, my wife doesn't have any babies. Boom, podcast, Doc Law podcast. Uh, boom, now you have quintuplets. And so, uh, yeah, I, I got to sit in jail with murderers and rapists uh, accused of murdering, and I didn't do any murdering. And they're not going to get to my trial for like two years, three years. I'm just going to sit there and languish. And so, again, Shenesquire, Bill of Rights number six. But that's where – is it, is it your delay or is it the government's delay? Like if you right, get arrested for murder, you're like, I want a trial tomorrow. And they're like, whoa, 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 case isn't filed. I want a trial next week. Whoa, 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 cases. That's on the government. So, yeah, you would have a – you could have a right to a dismissal based on speedy trial violation. Right. But there's no, like, definitive law that says this guy no. is accused of murder. He, he didn't do murder the the prosecution has the definition we're going to land on two days 10 days 30 days whatever there's people that sit in jail for years and years trying oh, yeah. to prove they're innocent that's not speedy right, right. but that's it just I'm depends saying. on it depends on who caused the delay and the prejudice behind it but this it's, is like this is the bill of rights this is the constitution it's supposed it's, to be speedy it doesn't matter who's who's causing it no, it's, it does it's matter. It's not speedy. Because if you're like, I kind of like jail. I don't want to go to trial yet. That's your delay. So if you're like, I kind of like this prison thing. I get a bed and three meals. No, I like. I don't. I'm not ready for trial yet. I'm trying to still find another. See, that's where the delay would be on the defendant, not on the government. Okay, so Monday is coming up. Monday. First thing, Monday morning, I go to jail, accused mm -hmm. of a murder I didn't commit. I am in no way like, oh, jail is the best. I love having this. Uh, you want to demand judge. your trial immediately. Yes. And so yes. I won't go before a, a judge and jury for right. six months or a year. or It's going to take time, not speedy. That's my point. Well, that's when right? your good criminal defense attorney files a motion to dismiss for violation of your speedy trial right. Right. So what is speedy? What is speedy? I'm, I'm accused of murder. A, I didn't do murder. Is it a 10 days, 30 days? There is no set limit. It's up to the trial judge to say, yes, your rights were violated and we're dismissing charges. And the trial judge more often than not will say, see you in six months or uh, a year. No, they're not going to say if they know that motion. Or, well, any smart trial judge would not do that. Um, because if your defense counsel is already raising your speedy trial rights, they know they better get this done ASAP because on appeal, if the appellate court looks at it and says they filed a demand for speedy trial and you made them wait six months, like, that's getting tossed. So six, six months is beyond speed. I think so. Yeah. Right. But you're saying, you're saying that like, there's no line in the sand documentation Right. You know, like it it's used case, to be case by case, <laughs> case by case. Okay. Yeah. yeah. That's insane to me that this is a yeah. constitutional. It's you know, not like lead poisoning. It could get you right. four days or six months or. No, because there's, there's things that happen like medically legally, you know, mm -hmm. and I guess the old example would be abortion. Once upon a time, they were like, oh, well, it's, 
you know, the cutoff is two months or the cutoff is right. this or this. And, Third and trimester. I right. I'm, I'm just using everyone. I'm just using that as an example for like something that had a And they still use that. They use what viability of the, of the law. Vacuum. So crazy. So there's a difference between if the law says speedy versus if the law says 90 days, noon on the 90th day right. or noon on the 91st day versus speedy so speedy was the word in 1789 and we're kind of still on that as sean esquire is telling us it's case by yes. case yeah okay right they haven't they haven't defined legally what speedy is no they just give factors for the trial court to there we go it. thank you that's what i was getting at that it's been hundreds of years and they're like you know speedy I'm like mm -hmm. okay i'm in uh this uh five by five cell with this giant man and he wants me to be his girlfriend, and I'm going to be his girlfriend for like a month. He hasn't even like bought me flowers. Months, and they're they're like, it's speedy. <laughs> like, okay, <laughs> I don't think your speedy is my speedy. That's what I'm saying. So, all right, uh, number eight. Like we said, um, four through eight, or um, you can cover seven. It's, it's civil though four, four, four through four through eight is the rights of the accused so eight is the cruel and unusual and again you know very ambiguous ambiguous terminology that these guys use and these guys are supposed to be attorneys so cruel and unusual and as we all know that that got defined and redefined and redefined throughout the years it was oh the electric it was hanging hanging you know, and like yeah. oh Hanging is cruel and unusual. Once upon a time, it was not cruel or unusual. It was it like, was that's all we got, man. That's all we had. We got firing squad and we got, even before firing, once upon a time, it was like, we got hanging or we could just stone him to death. <laughs> and they were like, hanging's not cruel or unusual. And then they were like, oh, electric chair. That's pretty, uh, you know, Sean Esquire, did you know this? 0.1 amps? Yeah. Like 0.2 amps, definitely. Right. That's not, not the voltage. Cruel. It's the amps that kill you, not the vultures. There we go. So, uh, and then eventually they're like, oh, uh, lethal injection, you know. So, again, this is how, and John Esquire, you, you can take the reins on this law stuff at any time. They're defining, <laughs> redefining, redefining, you know, what is what is speedy? What is cruel? What is unusual? Case right? by case, every time. Oh, man, I don't like that answer at all. Ashana Square is correct. Number seven is a civil law thing. Number nine is very tricky on its wording. I don't like the way they worded it at all. But number nine is basically just because the rights, they were not written down, like in the Constitution, doesn't mean that the doesn't rights... Doesn't mean you don't have them. Uh, right. There, you know, there's some things that, that they were just like, we probably didn't think of everything. Like, we didn't the find abortion. speedy. We, we, we didn't define... We didn't, we didn't um, ban abortion, but it doesn't mean you can't do it. Unusual, right. And then uh, ten is if um, if it's not in the Constitution, then uh, then meh, states can figure it out. Which, by the way, I like I like ten. I do. I mean, I like I like most of them. I don't like the language they used. I mean, Speedy really pisses me off because I I personally know people that have been. Um, uh, I think you would be an anti-federalist. I would be an anti-federalist. Yeah, yeah. I am not a fan of um, of. Uh, the government having power over the people. I think most people know how to behave. And I think that we had a good handle on, I mean, like corporal punishment, things like that. So I understand there's all these intricacies. Don't get me started on corporate interest and everything that feeds into whatever. And like, like Sean Esquire pointed out, the first Supreme court of the United States was like, Hey, 
Um, the world's not that complicated. We just need to meet like two times a year. That's fine. And then now the Supreme Court's like, well, I mean, there's speedy, and then there's like speedy, and then there's unusual punishment, and uh, yeah, so that's the world that we live in now. Yeah, that's my that's that's my take on it. Anyway, the bill bill of rights mostly fantastic. And, I think I still got an A on that. Yes, and why do you think? What's your take on um, like they weren't tagged on? Why do you think that they had to jack around it? Constitution was three years. Before the Bill of Rights, Constitution was up and running, done deal, and then they like three years later, they're like, "Oh, we better put in those rights." <laughs> you think you think it was just the climate of the times that they were like, "Oh, well, well, we have all of this hemming and hawing between all of these sixteen, I'm sorry, seventeen eighty, seventeen nineties lawyers. We better just get the Constitution up and running, and then we'll figure out the rest." It a hundred percent needed to be done because they needed some uniformity for the new government. They they wanted to make sure people had right to free speech, right? Like, Hey, we want to talk shit about the British government. Well, if they're going to do that, we want people to talk shit about our own government. Um, they wanted people to have bear arms. So let, let people do that. Like, well, they had, to, they had to define they, both. What is, what is a bear and what are arms? What are, and right. They, had, so, yeah. they, they needed to create some form of structure, and I think the reason being was, I mean, you saw like founding fathers were from Virginia, you know, Curtis, West Virginia to Philadelphia, Massachusetts, Maryland. Like they didn't want things to be obscure and different if you're traveling 75 miles into another state. Like there needed to be some uniformity. And then kind of like what the 10th Amendment did was, Okay, these are our set guideline principles. And Amendment 10 says, all right, states, if we didn't talk about it, you can set laws in regards to anything else. So, makes sense. Right. Yes, except for the fact that the federal government has stepped in many times and like, hey, 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 state, right. state rights. Hey, yeah. you guys can't, guys can't legalize marijuana. It's a. Uh, it's just as dangerous as opium, and mm -hmm. so yeah. Well, and, and, and the feds, I say the feds, the federal government does that a lot now through finances. So there might be something that says, "Hey, our state law says you can drink alcohol at 18," and the federal government says, "Whoa, whoa, whoa! We're not going to give you federal money for your highway systems unless you make mm -hmm. the age of 21." There and, you go. And no, that's no. now how they get around it. You have you have entered into the realm of reality with a capital R, and that goes to campaign finance. That goes to uh, oh, who who are the biggest lobbyists in the United States? Sean Esquire, the American Pharmaceutical Association. Those guys are towards the top of the list. Oh, oh, so. oh, Sam. Yeah. Oh, don't do that. Oh, my God. Yes. As, <laughs> as a guy that works nights, I hear that song way too much. And so Sean Esquire has definitely uh, touched on the uh, Pandora's box that is money above mm -hmm. uh, uh, people, like profit above people. And that happens way more than it should. And don't get me started on all the founding fathers that are spinning in their grave because the feds get to tell the states what to do. And it's a big part of the war on drugs that is bullshit. 
and we've got people that are high-ranking DC people that are like, oh, look at all of these people of color that are in jail for five ounce five ounce dime bag from mm-hmm. ten years ago, and like, oh, so anyway, yeah, um, we will we will go to bat against you know Russia and holding a U.S. citizen for having a vape pen with THC in it, and yet we don't change our own laws here in the United States to protect people with a THC. Thank you very much. Pen. Right. And how many how many states are we up to Sorry, now? Now, now you're getting me worked up, Dr. Baum. And I, I know. No, I, I am too. I don't think that, you know, if you're, if you're new to the podcast, welcome. Thank you for being with us. But you'll know that I am very libertarian. I am not, by the way, Jenna Esquire and I both like guns. We like to defend our families and, and we're from that culture and everything. That doesn't mean that we think that Republicans have all the answers to everything. They don't. They've screwed up all kinds of stuff. And Democrats have screwed up all kinds of stuff. And the two-party system does not always work. So uh, I am very often on the libertarian side of things because I want people to leave me alone. That's why. Because I don't need the government telling me every single thing because the founding fathers never, ever would want a income tax of 10% or 20% or 25%. And the founding fathers would never want a property tax of everything that it's become. They they didn't even have that concept. We didn't get an Mm -hmm. income tax until the Civil War. Correct, yes. And they they had just fought a war over Mm -hmm. taxes. Thank you very much. Yes, we've covered this before, but uh, as I have discussed, as we've discussed before, the original income tax was not applied to 90% of the population. Over 90% of the population it applied to not at all. And it was specifically to pay for the Civil War, and it had an end date, and it came and went. Right. And boom, here, there, there you go. Which, by the way, flash forward to like World War II, and we were paying what we were paid for the war with the war bonds and all kinds of other things. So, yeah, the country has lost its way in many regards. But one of the big regards is when you talk about the Federalist and the Anti Federalist, is that we don't need the feds telling us how to live our lives to the extent that they're doing now. And, and like, if I get specific, like, Oh, a speedy trial, what is speedy? Oh, the federal government, how are they interfering? Guess what? Uh, is it, are we up to 10 states now that have a recreational marijuana use? Nine, uh, nine or 10, right? A fifth of the country, 20% right. of the country has said we don't need, and, but the feds haven't changed the law. There's, there's something it's something in like the mid 30s that have either a form of rec or medicinal over yeah, half yeah 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 there's a number of country there's a number of states that have got on board with the with the medicinal part uh which really you like you can't have any kind of whatever argument you're going to make against that is horrible you're a horrible person for doing that but if you're getting into the realm of of recreational does a does a kid with a dime bag does he need to be locked up in a cage with a murderer for 30 years? So, and, and we've covered that. Like, I mean, I'd say we, and the United States has covered that for decades and decades. And so that's one example of many. Thank you, Sean Esquire, for, uh, for uh, getting on board. And, and thank you for doing the, the, number one, the Lord's work. And number two, you are carrying the torch of the principles that built this country, my friend. Thank you. God bless you. Thank you for doing that. Hell yeah, brother. Speaking of this country (laughs) and everything that is American and all things that are red, white, and blue and everything 
that we stand for, Sean Esquire, October 20th, I'm sorry, October 2nd, 2017, October 2, 2017, we're getting a, it's a very dark day in American history, but but I'm going to say this is not always a time of greeting as a time to celebrate life. And in my household, I recently went from one dog to three dogs. Yeah, more than the Russians saved. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, the Russians probably killed 3,000. Like they went around the earth like two and a half times with their dumb, their one, their one mm-hmm. volt thing, whatever. Uh, yeah, so I have three dogs in my house. I have Tom, I have Earl, and I have the original, I say the original from two years ago, Petty. I have Tom, Earl, and Petty. My dogs are named after Tom Earl Petty, born in October 20th, 1950. We lost Tom Petty October 2nd, 2017. Mm-hmm. He is my he is my all-time favorite rock star guy ever. Again, listeners, more reason, even more reason for you guys to check out our X page because I'll be putting up Pictures uh, have art around my house that I have made. I do uh, rock art here and there. I made some rock art for Tom Petty and for many other. If you see the uh, the beer review for this last week, you see my Jimi Hendrix in the background. Made that. And I, I am huge, huge Tom Petty fan. I grew up with it. And I remember, this is one of those things. I know, I know exactly where I was October 2, 2017. When I heard Tom Petty died, I was I was devastated, and um, just a huge huge loss to to the world, to anyone with ears, to anyone that knows what good music is, and you people, some of you people, it's not your fault, okay? Some of you think that auto tune is a legitimate thing, or you think all songs need to be about the booty dance and whatever thing like that. Believe it or not, people that don't know any better. Rock and roll, it, once upon a time, not that long ago, people would play instruments. They would play guitars. They would oh, play drums. he's a guy that did Running Down a Dream. Let's shut it down there. Okay. So, um, Tom Petty, his, his grandfather was a logger from Georgia. And there's a story. Oh, not an amber? He married a, a cherry. That, you said a logger? <laughs> Like a cut down the trees, tree, tree, uh, tree cutting. Uh, you know, Sean, Sean Spire, I mean, sometimes it's about uh, it's about the power behind the axe, and mm-hmm. not the size not the of the axe. Right, right. It's the motion of the of the ocean, not the axe. Sometimes some people say that. I'm pretty sure most of the CERN people that probably came from CERN from math and stuff. And so, uh, uh, one of your favorites, Tom Petty. Yeah. Oh my he's, god, are you kidding me? He sounds a little soft. Oh my god. Soft. I he's like I don't see him as like rock and roll. I see him as like seven, you, 70s oldies. Shun, shun, shun. Like, no, sir. Mm, no, no. Just shut it down. Shut it down. No, Sean Esquire. Tom Petty is like our generation's Elvis. Like our generation. I, I could see Elvis. Michael, Elvis was Michael, light. Like this wasn't Michael, like Jimmy Hendrix. Michael. Yeah, okay. I mean, there's a difference between like a guitar rock god, like a Van Halen, right? Right, that's what I and think. and and uh, and like singer songwriter, singer songwriter. It's like a uh, one man boy band. Bob Dylan, 
Oh, hey, oh, hey, hey there, hey, hey, whoa we're there. We're not going to say boy band and Tom Petty in the same paragraph ever. That's not going to happen. Sean Square, I want you to take your break with your <laughs> chaw over there. Just just take a break with your chaw, with your with your skull, your, your chaw. I'm going to tell you about Tom Petty. His grandfather was a logger. He cut the logs. He's from mm-hmm. Georgia. He, he married a Cherokee woman. And then the, the story is that he slew a man with an axe. And then that uh, that, that man was apparently like, uh, had, um, he was like pro-union or whatever. So they're like, oh, let's get out of here. And then they, they book it down to Florida. And then, um, so then uh, Earl is Tom Petty's dad. He was a angry drunk guy. He was, uh, he was very upset that Tom Petty was uh, interested in music. Although Tom Petty Probably said one of the... Music only good things that uh, Tom Petty's dad Earl did uh, when he was not like being a drunk dickhead was that he did get Tom Petty his first guitar. And then, um, so the first album that uh, Tom Petty ever bought, he bought with a bunch of like Coke bottles back then you, you would trade in Coke bottles and he bought this album, the Marvlets and they had a, they had a, this is like a seven inch little album. Uh, Playboy was the album. This is 1962. You might know the Marvelettes from um, they were the like one of the first big successful acts of Motown. I love Motown. Motown is amazing, especially that era, like the first 30 years of Motown or so. And then uh, so you might know the Marvelettes of Please, Mr. Postman. Oh That's yeah, from uh, Back to the Future. I think they were in um, the original one. I think the song was. Wait a minute, Mr. Postman. I mean, I mean, it might have been in there. Maybe. I don't think that they. I don't think that they were in there. No, they, they were. Around age, so this is like the huge the leap, right? Around age eleven, Tom Petty meets Elvis Presley. So Tom Petty's uh, uncle was working on this Who movie. Also, set. was a one man boy band. <laughs> Continue. I mean. I mean, you could say that if you hate America, but I mean, like Elvis was like a dancer, right? He right. didn't have like back, he didn't have like backup dancers that were dancing with him. Right. Like, so, and he was also, I don't know if you know this, Shana Square, Elvis Presley was a grown man. He's a grown man. He would go out there and he was like, hey, I got a wife with kids. I'm like, you I'm a man. A I'm not, a, I'm, I'm not in a, not in a boy band. Superman wore a cape and Batman wore a cape. That didn't mean that they were boys or in a boy band. Lots of people wear capes, Sean Esquire. So <laughs> shame on you. So, so Tom Petty met uh, Elvis when he was a kid. And then uh, uh, Elvis was doing this movie. The movie was uh, That Dream in Ocala. O-C-A-L-A. Uh, I don't know if Alcala is uh, Florida. I lived in Florida for a while. And then so between two two big things, Tom Petty met Elvis on that film set. And then also Tom Petty saw the Beatles on the uh, also Sullivan Boy Band? show. Uh, I don't know what your definition of boy band is. Like everyone that sang in the, in the 50s and 60s? In he the didn't 60s and do 70s? rock and roll, but did like that soft a, music? That was a boy band? You think the Beatles were soft? I'm not the biggest Beatles guy in the world, but I will say they like rock and roll. Way softer but, than Metallica. Okay, yeah. Okay, yeah. 
oh, this uh, bicycle from 1900 is way softer than the rocket ship that took us to the moon <laughs> in the 1960s. Yeah, they did what they the best they could with what they had, China Squire. So, <laughs> no. I want to apologize to all of our listeners right now that uh, Sean Esquire does not mean what he says about Elvis Presley is not a boy band, right? Tom Petty definitely not a boy band. <laughs> the Sean Esquire, just you know, Sean Esquire, he's probably gone into into whiskey world. Uh, Elvis Presley, not a boy band. Uh, Beatles, and again, I'm not a huge Beatles fan, but I'm going to say not a boy's band. I'm going to give the Beatles the respect that they earned, and so no. Tom Petty, right? Then, so what Tom Petty did was that he traded his whammo slingshot for a collection of Elvis uh, albums, these 45s, in between the Elvis and the Beatles that were on the Ed Sullivan show that really rocketed, rocketed him into wanting to be a rock star. He was like, well, it, into wanting him to do rock and roll. Yeah, I would he say was, he not really, rock star. He was like, oh, one day I'm going to be a rock star. He was just like, rock and roll, that's where I belong. And that's where he went. And he pretty much... You know, outside beyond Elvis, he became king of rock and roll. Is what Tom Petty did, and that's some uh, might say that he he uh, he for, he dropped out of high school around seventeen, so he could he could uh, play bass in this band called the Epics, and the Epics became Mudcrutch. Mudcrutch was between like 1970, 1975. They were not a commercial success at all, and then uh, and then Mudcrutch came back like in two thousand seven, two thousand seventeen. In his later years, 1974. So now, Tom Petty is uh, 24. They load up and they move to LA so that they can try to do the Mud Crutch thing, which doesn't really work out. But he does get a solo album while he has this well, I mean, solo contract. While he while he while he has the solo contract, he's kind of like shopping around town and he stumbles upon you know the people that are going to form Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Those years of him leaving Florida, I'm sorry, everyone, born in Gainesville, Florida, right? I lived uh, I lived in Miami, Florida during my, my residency years and loved it. And I can tell you from experience that a lot of places outside of Miami, Florida are very uh, not the best in the world. And so I think that's what Tom Petty came from, is that he came from, the, you know, these uh, swampy, um, swampy Florida situation and... So now we're getting up to 75, 1975. The uh, mud crutch thing kind of falls apart. And then these are really what I would define as won't back down years. Do you know the song? Won't back, won't back down. There you go. Yes. Yeah, there was a lot of ups and downs. He had to leave. He lived in these crappy apartments and all this stuff. And uh, he, Tom Petty, actually had referred to mud crutch as a, quote, tremendous flop. Uh, then 1976 gets the first album for uh, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. And the story goes is that, so he had Tom Petty, right? That's a no-brainer. And he had to, he had to come up with, um, with uh, oh, what are we going to do about the, uh, the band, right? And they had all these different names. Eventually, one of his friends had gone over to his crappy apartment, and he said, oh, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. And he said, that's great. And he goes, yeah, there's going to be an emblem and it'll be like a Gibson guitar going through a heart. And the guy said, what if it's like a flying V guitar going through the heart? And then that's that's pretty much what, what nailed it right then. Going through uh, the Tom Petty discordography, Sean Esquire, boy bands don't do this, by the way, for the record. 13 albums with the Heartbreakers, 
two albums with a little band called the Traveling Woolberries, three solo albums, Tom, Brady, Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers' first album, 1976, you might know American Girl, and then, and then he just cranks it out from 1976 until when he died in, uh, in 2017. Like every two albums, this guy's just writing and writing and writing and writing. And one of the most prolific, amazing rock stars ever in the history of rock stars. 1978, you're going to get it with uh, one of the best songs in there, Listen to Her Heart. 1979, Damn the Torpedoes, amazing album. And this is when, uh, when Petty's uh, label... The, the Backstreet Records came came about because he had Named taken the record. The Backstreet Boys? No, way before that. This is 1979 uh, because he had taken the record companies to war and there was a lot of lawsuits. So Damn the Torpedoes was him saying, yeah, we're going to keep going. So Damn the Torpedoes 1979 has amazing songs like Refugee, Here Comes My Girl, even The Loser. So all of those songs are about him fighting this mega, mega, mega corporation uh, and and winning, by the way. So that's what had happened through that process, is that he had taken them to court, and then MCA, the corporate monster at the time, said, "Okay, Tom Petty, we'll let you have your own your own label, and then we'll go from there." So, damn the torpedo '79. That's from rec- from Petty's label. Even though MCA got to do the distribution, Hard Promises '88. Hard Promises. Uh, I'm sorry. Hard Promises '1981 has the waiting. One of his best songs ever. I love that song so much. 1982, here we go. He's already doing another album, Long After Dark, that has You Got Lucky, 85, uh, Southern Accents, that has Don't Come Around Here No More. You know that one. Then we're getting into 85, which has uh, Let Me Up, I've Had Enough, 1991, Into the Great Wide Open, which has Learning to Fly, King's Highway, so his three solo albums are like three of the best albums in the history of rock and roll, in the history of anything that you've ever heard, ever. Full Moon Fever 89 has a little song called Free Falling. Maybe you've heard of it. Yeah, I have. When does he do rock and roll songs? <laughs> the worst. Free Falling is his biggest hit ever, by the way. So that's his, his first solo album, Full Moon Fever 89. The record company didn't believe in it. A lot of people, they were like, oh, you're solo, you're stepping out beyond your band. Oh, yeah, really? I'll just crank out Free Falling and make the biggest rock and roll hit uh, of all of my career at that time. He does a little uh, album called Wildflowers in 94, which if anybody that has ears, that's a genius. That's a genius album, right? Uh, That has Time to Move On and crawling back to you all these other hits wildflowers amazing such a good album and then his third solo album um highway compilation uh 06 uh all all amazing she's the one was a soundtrack he did in 96 uh that has angel dream and walls and walls is as far as i'm concerned it will be at my funeral that's how much i love that song unfortunately October 20 October 2 19 October 2 2017 he died of a accidental drug overdose he had a broken hip Shana Squire he was such a amazing rock star that he was touring I saw him on that last tour by the way I will put I will put pictures of the of that last concert that I saw in Austin Texas from 2017 that he had finished that tour with a broken hip and that he had been putting off going to do the hip replacement surgery 
And so uh, he accidentally overdosed on pain medication in a system. He had fentanyl, oxycodone, and some, some benzodiazepines like temazepam. He also had an antidepressant, citalopram. It's very common. Uh, he, they were concerned that he had very severe emphysema. He smoked a lot throughout his life. In 2017, over 70,000 Americans died of drug overdose, and one-third of those were fentanyl. Yeah, fentanyl's so, no joke. Yeah, that's a, that's a horrible one. I'm, I'm seeing less and less of it now in my ER, thank God. But uh, for me, like I said, I know exactly where I was. October 2nd, 2017, I was getting a haircut. Uh, they were playing Tom Petty, and then they were playing Tom Petty, and I was like, what's going on? And I looked at my phone and it said that Tom Petty had died and the lady was basically done. I said, that's enough. Please stop. Went home, opened up a very old bottle of Pinot Noir that I loved and uh, put on my vinyl. And just, uh, I spent a couple days just listening to Tom Petty and devastated, absolutely devastated. So even this God of rock and roll had to struggle with, with, um, drug addiction. So I tell everyone, please pick up the phone, you know, get help because you can do it. You, you can, you can absolutely be drug addiction. And he struggled with depression. This guy is drowning in money and success and everything. And even this guy, even Tom Petty was on antidepressant. So again, everyone, I encourage you, please, please, please. The world is a better place with you. Please reach out. I love Tom Petty forever. It was a very, very, very dark day for me. We're going to take a quick break. I'm going to get uh, one more beer. And when we come back, Shana Squire, we're doing some dead stuff or some evil stuff or something. Let's take a quick break. And welcome back to Dr. Lawyer Walk into a Podcast. Well, Dr. Baum, we just covered the one-man boy band, Tom Petty. Oh, my God. You know, everyone, sometimes your friend that you love says hurtful <laughs> things, and you realize that maybe there might be things going on in their life, and, and that's fine. And you make your peace with the world. You make your peace with the universe. And you just take a step back and you re- and realize not everyone means every hurtful thing that they say <laughs> all the time. But I will tell all of you, listen to Tom Petty, learn it, love it, live it. Because within his words, his prose, his genius prose, his... What about his cons? Euphonious. <laughs> his euphonious, true, red-blooded American... That's 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 it, everyone. So if you can't find what you're looking for in this world with Tom Petty, I have some great I have some great hospice. I get him uh, confused with John Cougar Mellencamp. That's right. why. That's what that's what blasts the rock. I just want to point out a disclaimer here to everyone that uh, Sean Esquire he loves Creed. He's a oh, huge Creed yeah. guy. So I don't know if you would want to know anything about rock and roll on a guy that puts creed that high uh and the other one that sounds like creed who's the other one nickelback to me they're all the same yeah nickelback's canadian though right yeah and uh avril levine married one of the nickelback guys and now she's just uh not i I had a crush and i don't have a crush and so that's it but i will tell you everyone our our uh, loving listeners, I, I love all of you. As the great Tom Petty has said before, wherever the wind might blow, wherever that river flows, you know I will go with you. 
But not you, Shadow Squire. You can yeah. drown in that river because you said a bunch of shit about Tom Petty. I'm going the other way, the, the, the rock and roll side. <laughs> going, don't go there. Let's go <laughs> there. Is that what he says? I don't know. The guy. He's, got, he's got like two songs. And so um, the good news, everyone, is that we're going to get into it's holiday. It's holiday. Uh, Halloween season. Halloween season, everyone. We are in October. It's my favorite time of the year. The it's getting cooler outside. Oktoberfest. You all know how I feel about Oktoberfest and scary movies. I love scary movies. I'm a huge scary movie fan. I love scary movies. And so earlier this week, when I told Sean Esquire, I was like, "Hey, we've got. Uh, don't forget to take care of that Bill of Rights thing." He's like, "I'm on it." I was like, "Also, uh, you should watch my favorite scary movie because I watch scary movies every year. Evil Dead Two. And Sean Esquire is like, "I'm on it." So. I'm very happy that Sean Esquire did not shit on my favorite uh, musician ever, <laughs> Tom Petty. And I'm very, very, very excited that he's also not going to shit on one of my favorite movies ever from when I was a kid, Evil Dead 2, which, by the way... Okay, Esquire, there you go. It's when you were a kid. It makes sense now. Well, I wasn't a grown man way back when I saw it. So, um, I want to point out, uh, I'll, I will date myself on this a little bit, but Sean Esquire, in the olden days, you would mm-hmm. uh, bet you would beg your parents to drive you to the video store, and then you would get the giant uh, VHS tape, mm-hmm. and then uh, and then if they didn't have it, then you were you were you were up the creek, and then so uh, this is. This is a movie very dear, near near and dear to my heart, Evil Dead 2, 1987. In high school, my buddies and I would rent it all the time. And at one particular time, it was like a Friday, and we're like a, I had a, a 1977 Black Camaro. Thank you very much. And uh, I drove it to the uh, video store. And I told the dude, I said, Evil Dead 2, please. And the guy looked at me and he goes, dude, just keep it. That's how many times I had rented it. I had rented it it so many times. The guy was frustrated and he just gave it to me. (laughs) He just said, here you go. No one else is renting it. (laughs) Evil Dead. It's China Square. So many people were renting it. Uh, Evil Dead 2. Dead by Dawn, 1987. Shadow Squire, you didn't do all the homework, but you did this one. I watched. I thank, I thank you. Thank watched you for this watching movie it. last night with with the misses. With and, the misses, and it, and it cured your ED. It um, it did something. Um, it's not for everyone. It's not it for was everyone. not good. No, I'm gonna say, I. <laughs> I thought the special effects were terrible. But you know, it's from 1987. So it's not going to have, you know, it, it had a budget of 3.6 million. This is not no, Star Wars. I get things. it. But the Star movie, like, looked so much better than mm-hmm. than this film. Yeah. You know, the people attached to the, quote unquote, the Star movie, you know, those are like the biggest people in Hollywood ever, right? I guess. Mm-hmm. I, you yeah. know what I don't understand? They... So they found the the mom of the girl that came back. So they anyway. So there's this book of the dead and this Necron- old Necronomicon. Yes, and, this, keep, and, keep and this 
this old man decides to go over and he just he finds the the old book it looks like somewhere in the middle east and he comes back and he starts reciting the pages on his little recorder and mm. when he recites the pages about bringing back the dead the dead comes back and he in his recordings apparently the wife turns and she's down in the cellar but you never find the old man where was he at in all this i mean a couple things is one he could have just been vaporized from the demon that showed up i mean he was the one that that said the words the other thing spoiler alert on this is uh towards the end of the movie this big monster guy comes out right so that Mm -hmm. that could be it and then you know more spoiler alerts uh, is that throughout the movie the camera like runs through the woods yeah terrible and so it's basically like the camera's on a motorcycle or the camera is on a on a yeah, piece of board. And I like when it hits the main guy and he spins around in a 360 yeah. through the woods. Yes. But but yeah. the visual effects were just god awful. Amazing. And amazing. For, for 1987, also amazing, amazing. Possibly. Uh, Evil Dead 2, this has Bruce Campbell. If you don't know who Bruce Campbell is. So Bruce Campbell has a, I say, famous book. It's famous for those of us that that love the genre. He has a book called If Chins Could Kill, My Life as a B-Movie Actor. He has a follow-up to that also because he has a, I mean, he says that somebody like made fun of him having a big chin. You will definitely know Bruce Campbell from from Spider-Man from 2002, the Tobey Maguire Spider-Man. He is in the ring with Spider-Man when Spider-Man fights uh, Macho Man Randy Savage. Oh, the other thing that didn't make sense in the movie, they never explained what happened to the boyfriend of the daughter of the archaeologist. So remember, they come back on the plane. Right. They they meet up with the the hillbilly and the girlfriend. Bobby, Bobby Joe. Bobby Joe. They go to the cabin. Yes. And then all of a sudden, the boyfriend turns into a weird demon guy. Deadite. They're called deadites. Yes. Okay. What? How? What? What happened to him? So, he, there's a scene where he like gets thrown up into the ceiling, and his neck snaps. I don't know if you caught that or not. I know he was a deadite or whatever, but so l- that's when me, he turned. Well, let, no, I mean he turned before that. But let me let me work my way up to that. So. Freddy Krueger's glove is in two scenes of Evil Dead 2. There's the scene where he goes into the the workshop. That's its own story. And there's when he goes down into the fruit cellar. So uh, the Nightmare Elm Street guy uh, that, that they had been huge fans. So Evil Dead 1 has a poster of Wes Craven's The Hills Has Eyes. It's like a torn up uh, poster. And then Wes Craven has Evil Dead playing while Nancy falls asleep in Nightmare on Elm Street Part 1. So this is like a little thing that directors did back in the old days. They would just give each other a shout-out through their movies. One of the scenes when uh, he's like he's like wrestling around, he goes, work shed, and that's a famous thing. Uh, and then so when Bruce Campbell worked on Escape from L.A. with Kurt Russell, then Kurt Russell said, hey, man, say work shed. He's like giving him a hard time about it. They created a dummy company because the the film could not be released as an R movie. It had to be released as unrated. So in the beginning, you see Rosebud. 
uh, was re- released in March of 86 and opening weekend made about $800,000, ultimately made over $6 million. And one of my favorite things on the movie is that it has this 1973 Oldsmobile Delta 88, uh, <laughs> which was like a Sam Raimi. I think I got it from a surf. So that car, that 1973 Oldsmobile Delta 88, is in most of the Sam Raimi's movies. So it's in the Evil Dead movie. It's in the Spider-Man movie from 2002 when his um, when Uncle Ben takes him to go like wrestle. That's the car. That's the uh, Delta 88. What about a little movie called Multiverse of Madness? With uh, didn't see that either. Yeah, I don't know. You you don't watch the uh, you don't watch the uh, the Marvel movies. Yeah, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness. That is Sam Raimi, the director for Evil Dead 2, director of the Spider-Man. One of the most famous scenes in that movie is when Bruce Campbell's hand, as you know. Oh, yeah. It gets like uh, possessed. He has to cut the head off of his girlfriend, right? Because the girlfriend gets Linda. Right, Linda. Thank you very much. Yeah. And Mm -hmm. then he has to cut the head off the girlfriend. And then the head gets possessed by the demon the can candor demon whatever it is and then the head bites his hand and his hand becomes possessed and so his hand physically attacks bruce campbell like punching him in the face and punching him in the gut and that was the most insane part when it starts smashing the plates on Mm, his head smashing the plates against his head all that stuff all of all of that was from bruce campbell that he had ad-libbed that and then sam raimi the director was like oh my god yes this is what acting is. Go with that. And that led up to... <laughs> but it wasn't of, scary. It what, was, like, humorous. Do you know why it was kind of humorous? Because Sam Raimi is a huge fan of the uh, Three Stooges. Comedy? Three Stooges, yeah. Uh, yeah. I mean, it makes sense, then, but it's not like a horror movie. No, if you want horror, you should watch Evil Dead 1. Evil Dead 1 is, is pretty scary. Evil Dead 2 has a little bit of a slapstick slop, slapstick quality. And then Evil Dead 3 is just called Army of Darkness, which is also fairly slapstick. I don't think that any of the movies made a profound amount of money, but I think that they're what's called as cult classics. See, that, I think that was a problem. Like, I was going into it thinking I'm going to see, like, like, Exorcist. But, but honestly, when I saw the title of the film, I was thinking this was going to be more like zombie, mm-hmm. like Dawn of the Dead or something. Right. No, I get, I get that. I guess if you if you want something scarier, then go go with Evil Dead One. But yeah, Sam Sam Raimi has that that shtick, that uh three um three Stooges kind of thing built in. Mm-hmm. I love Evil Dead Two. I've seen it a million times. I set Sean Esquire this week. A couple of days ago, I sent him a uh, a text message. I was like, "I have an Evil Dead poster in my house. It is mm-hmm. signed by Bruce Campbell. It says Stay Groovy.' When you've seen the movie, okay. I was trying to figure okay. out what it said on there. Groovy, yeah, that's groovy. all, all of us. And on top of that, I've gone to a number of Bruce Campbell events, and he comes to Austin once or twice a year. And he does this, um, you know. There's there's screenings for Army of Darkness and all these other things. So I've I've done all that. Evil Dead Two, 1987, 
fantastic, amazing, amazing movie. We have we still have a good chunk of of October. I'm very excited to hear from Sean Esquire about what movie I should watch. Uh, we don't have to decide Ooh. right now, but we're gonna do. We'll do. You know, we did we did movie review throughout the summer, which I think went over great. We got a lot of great feedback from it, honestly. Yeah, and we have some good plans for that going forward. We got to finish Saul tonight because we started Saul yesterday before we started watching Evil Dead 2. So, okay. So you're watching Saul 1 now? I've seen it. It was, God, it's got to be 15, mm-hmm. at least 15 years ago. Yeah. So it's been a long time. And I was like, I don't remember. I remember them being in that, like, that bathroom chained up. But like, was one of them the Saw guy? Like, I, I I didn't remember enough of it, so I wanted to go back and watch it because Saw X just came out, and apparently it's supposed to be the sequel to the original. So they're going back to the roots. Yeah, there's like ten of them, and yeah, it's um, a, it gets, it gets very very involved. I years years ago, I I tried to watch. Saw's, I don't know, I, I think at, at that time there was like one, two, three, four, or one, two, three, four, five, whatever it was. And so I think I had gone through those. Um, they're great for what they're supposed to be. I, I think I, I, I fell off after part I, four or five. I think what I like, I like not so much horror, I like thriller movies. And so Saw was kind of that way. The other movie that was that was uh, Seven. Mm-hmm. Where they're investigating the murders and no, seven's great. Yeah, plus so the, plus the acting is amazing on top yeah. of that, and yeah, and it's not so much of a horror movie; it's about murder and all that, but it's more of a thriller because you're trying to figure out like who is the killer. And I like. That. I mean, there's nothing. There's nothing magical in in that. There's no like you know ghosts jumping out of the walls or anything. Right. For many for many many years, I was in love with the Grudge. Again, Sam Raimi, right? Sam Raimi. Okay. Uh, the Grudge. There was The Ring. I think The Ring won. Oh, The Ring was the good. The Ring one and The Ring two, both really, just really amazing, just terrifying and dark and everything. And I never saw the second one, but I could say the first one, at least from what I, I haven't seen it since I saw it in theaters. But that that was like a good. Scary Something movie. to be said for the cinephotography, obviously the acting, the writing, the rhythm, the actual rhythm of that. That's the that's mm-hmm. the thing about horror movies. A lot of people, if you're not a horror movie person, you, you you're not going to get it, right? Kind of like like metal. Like if you're not a metal, a rock and roll metal person, you're not going to get it. There's an art in there about probably ninety five percent of horror movies. Ninety eight percent of horror movies really suck. But because yeah. they they rely they rely on jump scares and they do all this like horrible cliche shit and they overdo it on blood and they overdo it on this and the acting whatever. But that one percent, two percent that really gets it done. Doctor Blom, it's been a pleasure. Sean Esquire, I love you so much. Everyone, we we love you as the best, most amazing musician in the history of music has ever said ever wherever that wind might blow wherever that river flows you know i will go with you
Thank you, everyone.